Hi, I'm Zoraida Cordova, author of Convergence and A Crash of Fate, and you are listening to The Living Force. Welcome to The Living Force Podcast. It's so good to see you fully functional again. A Utini Podcast Network production. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. Episode 193, Convergence Roundtable. McClinky. On this episode, voting is open for the 2022 Utinis. But it's a major award. I won it. We get a Jedi Survivor trailer breakdown. Just like back at the scrapyard. And the Utini crew talks about the new Star Wars novel, The High Republic Convergence. And now, here are your hosts. You want to meet some uh, friends of mine? Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Henkel, and Wes Jenkins. Utini! Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of The Living Force. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson. And joining me tonight for the last Living Force in my apartment ever uh, is the full cast. Uh, they're not here in my apartment. Audio listeners, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to try to deceive you like that. But they're here nonetheless to talk all about Convergence, starting off with the one, the only, the Simrig rookie, Dr. Corey Helton. Hello. Hey, buddy. Hello, hello. Thank you for having us, as always, Eric, even though we're not in your apartment or... You know, you're not hosting in any way, but, you know, it's good to be here. <laughs> Symbolism. It's a metaphor. That's right. Yeah, I like yeah. it. <clears throat> Absolutely. Happy to have you, buddy. Always excited for good roundtable nights. Um, and next up, of course, we have the guy who is relaxing, probably the most he's ever done on a roundtable episode. It's Dr. Charles Hankel. Hey, man. I, I'm chilling. This is nice. Is this what it's always <laughs> been like? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. This is very nice. I, I'm just here to talk about a nice reading experience and make fun of you guys along the way. That's right. You're just here so you don't get fined. I like it. Uh, we'll go into a little bit about how this roundtable will work out if you missed our last one here in a bit, but not before. Apparently, who I now call the master of Christmas, the master of puppets, and the master of my heart, Wes Jenkins. Hey, buddy. Master of puppets. That is a fantastic song by my favorite band of all time. Oh, I um, Jim Yes, I... <laughs> <laughs> I have been... Um, frequenting Soundstripe lately, and I would type in um, various moods that I feel uh, the Utini community, mostly me, feel when I, uh, <laughs> when I start the show, and today was calm and fun, and calm and fun is also about the holiday season, so we got this jam earlier in the day that you'll also listen to at the end of the show, but uh, they're putting some good ones out, so I'm glad I'm glad it, people are actually enjoying it. You ever it. just type in weird stuff? You're just indigestion or something like yeah. that? <laughs> Angry and calm. That's just how you are at <laughs> work every science. day, right? That's just like simmering underneath the whole time. I'm... Fine. Well, I hope that all of you watching and listening are angry and calm or enjoying a festive season. Uh, but more than any of that, I hope that you have or you are about to vote for the 2022 Utinis because voting is live, everybody. Uh, I've been watching the results come in, uh, but right now you can go to utini.com slash 2022 Utinis. That's Y-O-U-T-I-N-E-E-S, 2022 Utinis. And you can vote. For the best of the year, we did all our nominations last week. Go watch and listen to that show to find out what is nominated. Or just go to the link, utini.com slash 2022utinis, and you can vote for all of our different categories. It has been fascinating. We have over 100 votes already in the first week. Um, so thank you to all of you who have done so. You have through the month of November to vote. We're still getting the exact date 
of the 2022 Utini's under wraps, or we're keeping under wraps. Meanwhile, we're trying to figure it out uh, for the beginning of January. But go over there and cast your votes. Um, guys, have you all voted? I got to ask them, you. Yeah. I have voted, and you can vote Excellent. through the month of uh, December. December. December, yes. Yes. Not yes. November, because it Not is. No- <laughs> yes. The polls are open. Polls are open. Those, <laughs> get one of those I voted stickers. I mean, we're not going to give you one. You have to oh, put it off yourself. Digital yeah. ones. That would yeah. have been next year. That would have been um, fun, yeah. Yeah. If you are voting for the 2022 Utinis, stay in line. Your vote will be counted. <laughs> um, but, yeah, thank you everyone that has voted so far. Share links with all your friends and get ready for the Utinis at the start of next year. All right, next up, what we have been loving this week. Let's just go around and catch up as friends do. Uh, those of you on video may notice my apartment is, yes, even more full of boxes than normal. And I have next to me a single ball cap because every single Star Wars book that I own has been packed. Because, y'all, the moving trucks arrive in 36 hours as of recording. Jeez. This is my last show in this apartment. Every video show of The Living Force has been done in this apartment. Wow. And, uh, I didn't realize that. That's it. I know. I thought of it just before the show started. Um, Interesting. Then that's it, man. Then I'm out. Yeah. I mean, the three Woo! of us are close enough to one day do a live show again together. Oh, yeah. Wes, not me. Wes is not. You know, no. He's not invited. He's, he, not, he can't come he he can into the treehouse, you know. <laughs> no. That's all right, Wes. We know that since you're the elder statesman, you, you're eligible for retirement in like three years or so. So then you can come and hang out with us and uh, do live shows. It'll be fun. <laughs> that would be the dream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's, that's been my week. Mine's very easy. I've been packing all the time. I do want to uh, share with you guys and the audience something that I've told a bunch of folks. Uh, Charlie and I, my partner, got to go have a little Christmas cheer. Charles, you inspired me last week with all your Christmasing. Um, and we did go see... White Christmas and It's a Wonderful Life on the big screen, back-to-back, at a local theater here in Chicago that does it every single year. It's one of our favorite traditions, probably literally the thing we're going to miss most about the city. Uh, So in the midst of finding out you have way more stuff than you ever thought you did and watching your packing estimate quote just rise and rise and rise and rise, uh, there's been a little bit of Christmas cheer in my week. So that was it. That was it for me. Uh, My brain is, is, is empty. I feel empty. <clears throat> I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you found somewhere in Charlotte that did that kind of thing. Um, Kayla and I looked. Uh, we found a theater that does. Uh, you, you guys inspired us actually. Uh, when you no posted way. it in Slack or whatever, we looked at uh-huh. ourselves and there's a uh, Asheville Pizza and Beer actually. Like, mm-hmm. or maybe it's Asheville Pizza Company. I know I can't remember Pizza and Brewing or I don't know. It's some mix of pizza, a brewery, and they have a movie theater and they kind of like. Wait, did we buy, try to go like, to this place? Oh, yeah, that's the place we, we tried to go to when we couldn't go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We couldn't go. Oh, my God. That's wait a right. minute. I, for, I forgot you guys were with me. We almost uh, when, went there. When we went there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. place, they uh, they show movies. Like, they're they're doing a whole bunch of Christmas movies. Like, every week they're doing a new one. Like, awesome. Elf and Christmas Vacation and A Christmas Story. Like, kind of classic uh, movies and I stuff, love that. So. Yeah, yeah. We're going to try to catch one, so it'll be fun. Yeah, we're looking at There's one in Charlotte, I think, called the Independent Film, film Theater, Independent Movie something. It's opened like in june we saw and they're showing like muppet christmas carol this week and nice. i'm like there we go yeah yeah that's that it charles i'm gonna cool. drag you to everything it's gonna be great yeah <laughs> um how are you guys how are your weeks guys what's what's new i've 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 missed you i miss you we had a uh we had a massive hiring week at utini this week actually oh yeah um, go through that 
Yeah, uh, we are. We've grown a lot in the last year. Um, we haven't talked to a whole lot, a lot of this stuff publicly, but like mm-hmm. we are over forty people now on the team, which is insane, um, to be honest. And yeah, yeah we, we realized about oh twenty eight people or so that like that is too many people to manage. Like it's just getting out of hand. So we're having to like kind of restructure the whole company and. We, we have recruited some really, really good talent that's helping us do that kind of stuff. And we did a, a big internal hiring, even though it's not hiring because nobody's getting paid yet. One day, maybe, you know. Uh, but um, we did a big, uh, big <laughs> internal hiring thing and um, put a bunch of new managers in positions and stuff. And it's been exciting. We interviewed like 12 people this week, Emma and I. Um, Emma from uh, Cosmic Force, um, sh- we jumped in a bunch of interviews with folks and had a really, really good time. And... Got to talk about folks that have been here a long time, people that are new, and it was uh, it was honestly a good time. It's fun just to, you know, we're all remote, so we don't really ever get in a call. I mean, some of the folks I don't think I have been in a call with, like, since we brought them on. Sometimes that was, like, two years ago, right? So, yeah, you know, it's yeah. It's, it's cool to, to do that. Basically, the Christmas party is the one time a year we – most of us may get to see each other's faces for the one time a year, but – yeah. That's generally it. We really try not to do big meetings like that. So that's been fun. It's been very busy, though. Um, that's a lot of interviews in one week. So Yeah. So hope, And hopefully this will translate to all of you watching and listening to a lot of great Uchini stuff over at Uchini.com, a bunch of the shows. Because um, every time we talk about hiring um, on a larger scale, it's because we want to make things more efficient. And we realize that there are things we want to do um, and say, hey, who wants to do this? And I, I'm always constantly amazed as someone who finds their life to be very busy and stressful that every time yeah. we ask that it seems like we have people on our team who we already love and, and know that are like yeah love to here's a really um like powerpoint presentation of how i would fix things yeah. and here's here's why i'm so qualified and i'm like oh my god every day i'm so glad that there were no other employees when i joined utini in the bar because <laughs> y'all man, are too to, qualified at this company well, man me you and charles and like carl and maybe a couple other folks on the team like in those uh, first that first six months did like everything we wrote and yeah. i haven't written i haven't written anything for the website i was talking about this in one of the interviews this week i don't think i've written a single piece of content for the website in three years which is insane like nope. that's nuts and I don't yeah, think yeah. That, that's the reason our metrics have gone up it's not, it's not that it's one-to-one <laughs> that, that happens to be the trajectory. it's causation not correlation yeah uh, Correlation. Correlation. Yes. We will. There you go. Yes. Very good. Brainwave. Um, yes. You know, shameless plug, though, we will probably start doing this a little more often, though. You know, as we're making organizational changes, we're approaching the new year. So, you know, if you're listening, you've been a listener for a while and like you've maybe been thinking about volunteering or wanting to participate in some way. We do have yeah. a lot of openings kind of coming up and stuff on the team, particularly in the content creator front. So. If yeah. you're interested, shoot us an email. There's a like a jobs section or something like that at the bottom of the footer on the website and every page. So check that out. There fill an application. Yeah, there is. It's pretty cool. A whole job section. We're gonna update that and get oh. it cleaner and make it really up to date. Right now, it's a little out of date. Um, yeah, and there's a lot That's of positions that we've kind of filled that are there. But like, you know, flip to that page if you see something you're interested in. Then you know, reach out. You know. We especially want to add some more diversity to the team. We were talking about about that a lot this week Mm -hmm. of, you know, women and people of color and that sort of thing. Like, there's just not enough representation in Star Wars and fandom in general and, or honestly, any media, but that's another story. So, you know, if that, you hit the bill or you're interested and, you know, shoot us a, fill out an application, it'll shoot us an email and we'll talk about it. Um, We're open to adding more content creators. It's really funny how changing the organizational structure will do that, just for the record, yeah. though. Because two weeks ago, if you would have said, 
you know, we want to bring a bunch of new content creators on. I would have said you're nuts. There's no way we can handle that. Now I'm like, look at all these opportunities we now have. <laughs> oh my because goodness, we have new ourselves. managers and stuff. So yeah, yeah. changes things. So anyway, it's quite week. the tangent. Sorry. <clears throat> no, no, that was a crazy full week, man. Char- Charles, I assume you were equally as, as fruitful in your labors, right? A lot of interviews. A lot of interviews this week <laughs> that I ran personally as well. Um, <laughs> Elves, <laughs> San- uh Christmas carolers. Exactly. Exactly. No, I've, I've twice. continued my uh, my mission Christmas, and it has continued to be successful, I think. This this weekend, what did we do? We went to a different outdoor Christmas market. If you're listening to episodes back-to-back, it's not the same one that I was talking about before. Uh, <laughs> we went to Carowinds, which is like the local theme park uh, that it, or amusement park, whatever. The proper term is, I don't know, I'm not much of a park guy. But we went there, they do something called Winterfest, it's all Christmassy, and that was fun. It's right on the border of South Carolina and North Carolina. And then, uh, what else did we do? It was one of my friend's 33rd birthday, so we went to her party, and what else? Man, it's been so much. You went to Light the Night, man. Oh yeah, I went to Light the Night. That was actually probably the best thing, how to forget that. Yeah, so the the hat that, um, that Eric has on his table there for the Charlotte Knights... Their stadium, they have a, another market, Christmas market, called Light the Night. And this year they added snow tubing and they added uh, a regulation ice rink in the outfield. And so I went and skated around and did fun stuff like that. So, yeah, it's been good. I, I, I love this because I was telling, talking to Charlie about this that I somehow, Charles, I've known you for years. And I never quite understood just how much of like a perfect Christmas prince you are. And it's so <laughs> great because every friend group prince. needs one person that like knows all the markets and has such a great time. And I, I'm, I'm again, I'm not saying that I'm moving just for your sense of frivolity, but it's making me feel better about my choice. <laughs> well, so, I make uh, a, I make a Christmas list quality. with the goal every year. That's a good word. And I do check it, it twice. And it's all the best things to do around here. So you can have you a copy. Like, Oh my god, I would love that. When you said I made a Christmas list, I thought you were like that adult that like still really gets into the Santa list and still like says I have to mail it. Like the Colt, he has to get it by the twenty first, <laughs> uh, which is fine. I don't know Santa's uh, shipping schedule. Uh, Wes, I can only assume that. Gosh, we all had such great weeks. Uh, uh, they were busy, but they were fun. You, I'm, I'm assuming, just had also a, a blissful, <laughs> joyous time this week. Yes, very stress free, zero stress, <laughs> no stress at all involved. Um, so. If you had, uh, if you tuned in to two weeks ago, I uh, was complaining about not finding a, co- a computer part um, for my home build, and I found it. So I found the NVIDIA forty ninety. They had they had it available. When I checked at work. Um, I just left work. I didn't tell anybody <laughs> I was leaving. I just left because these things are going to go like immediately. Mm-hmm. So I saw it somewhere in stock. I drove up there. I got one. Um, <clears throat> then I realized that, you know, parts of my computer doesn't, aren't compatible with the part that I just bought, all that kind of stuff. So anyways, long story short, um, I ruined the <laughs> Utini PC that used to produce the show and I had to Frankenstein one together today <laughs> to make sure that we could bring you this content. <laughs> so that computer died for this show. Yeah. So, you know, I. It was I was up it was up to the minute, so it was like at six thirty I finished everything, and then that's like when wow. we start setting up. So we were ready to go, um, but you know, I also on completely other side of 
my my hobbies. I also set up the deer stand platform on oh Saturday. I'm glad the thing is finally out there. It's it's taller than I imagined. I don't know why I thought it was going to be any shorter because the posts that it is sitting on top of are eight feet tall. And I was just like, ah, it's probably going to be like six feet. And it's like, <laughs> wow. no, just because it's just because it's not straight up and it's lo- yeah. it's kind of. It's kind of bent over a little bit. That takes off maybe three inches. So it's ah. seven feet, nine inches in the air. <laughs> wow. And it's uh, it still needs some, some bracing and some anchoring. But it's up there. I, I got, we're, we're moving along. Moving that, doesn't along. Sound, that doesn't sound high. I can assure you, having sat in a tree stand, seven feet <laughs> is higher than you think it is. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm sweating thinking about it. It's just, it's just high enough up in the air that you're like, man, if I fall out of this tree, that's going to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, you have that moment of like, you know what? This might do it. This might do it. I had a a chemistry teacher that uh, had to take a semester off when I was in college because he accidentally shot himself in a deer stand. He lived. He was good, uh, but it was not a great experience. He, uh, he like, dropped the rifle, and it shot him in the leg. He had to, like, crawl up, like, three quarters of a mile out of the woods, man. Like, it was a crazy story. Wow. We're like, what happened to Dr. Charlie, I think is his name. Charlie. It might have been a Charlie. Wow. Gotta practice gotta practice gun safety. Absolutely. That was not safe. You think any deer saw it happen? <laughs> and it's chuckled at himself. Oh my god, what's coming to you, sucker? <laughs> yeah, Hurt's yeah. done it. That's for Jerry. Yeah. Got him. And by the way, by the way, Charles, I haven't forgotten that I'm putting that sign outside of the stand whenever I finish it. No deer allowed. Yes. yes. <laughs> Just flapping in the wind. As long as it's written in, in crown, right? Crayon. In, in crayon. crayon. <laughs> and, and taped up there with one single piece of scotch tape. That's all I ask. Yeah, and it's legit. No problem. Well, I look forward to seeing more of that. Um, I do want to also give you your props, Wes, because you did have a rough week on the computer side, but you had a great week on the fantasy side. Everyone, the fantasy football playoffs are here next week. Wes will be in them. I will be watching the playoffs from the loser bracket because <laughs> I won by a lot. I scored more than West this week. I had a great week. I'm not going to the playoffs. Playoffs? <laughs> playoffs? Um, not great. But, West, I, I do want to say officially congratulations on you finishing the regular season in second place in our league. Um, Thank you. Making the playoffs. So, as of next week, I believe, um, let's see. West, you have a bye. So you got that oh, first round by. Congratulations. Put my feet up and not have yeah. to worry about anything, huh? Congratulations. And hopefully T. Higgins can uh, fix his hamstring by the time he needs to play again. Or at least they report it. You know, maybe they'll actually report it. Um, I do yeah. want to say that the week after me and my, my loving partner travel across the country for our new home that we bought, uh, we are playing each other in the loser bracket of fantasy football. So... It was a nice move while it lasted. Um, yeah. So great. I hope that all of you listening that do play fantasy are having a great time. Hope you all made the playoffs. And um, just remember, check those injury reports. And um, don't don't stop starting Alvin Kamara. He's not going to be good this year. I'm sorry. <laughs> we wanted him to be. That's your free advice. That's your what free happened, advice. That's Alvin? also your free advice. He's not good this year. <laughs> So anyway, um, that's what I got for the TV Fantasy Update. Um, I do want to say, as, as the season climbs down, as we're as I'm, I'm looking at you know my next move of my life and this kind of next chapter, I do love the UTN Fantasy League and a bunch of other fantasy leagues for all of you out there for like keeping the sense of normalcy and it's really a beautiful thing that we all get to come together. For this thing that doesn't matter, it really doesn't, but it's so fun 
And yes, JG in the chat, congratulations Uh for freaking storming into the playoffs um, this (laughs) week, scoring off freaking, like, over-doubling your opponent's uh, amount uh, off the backs of who, yeah, Evan Ingram, you know, fantasy stud. (laughs) Gross, JG, you should feel ashamed. (laughs) All right. Speaking of people who should feel ashamed, our patrons. No, we love you guys. Um, our patrons <laughs> want to say thank you to everyone at patreon.com slash utini who continues to support everything we do here on this channel, on the website. Again, all those hiring managers that we put to, to work this this past week and in the new year now know what resources the website has, what we can afford to do um, if we need to do anything else as far as additional tools and build projects like some secret things we have we have uh, brewing. Uh, are all because of you, and we thank you all so much for that. If you do want to help support everything we do here and get a couple extras, like some extra shows, like some movie commentaries, like our whole behind-the-scenes vlog of our trip to Asheville earlier this year, go to you, patreon.com slash utini, and join the family. All right, now it's time for two quick pieces of news in the Star Wars Weekly Roundup. It's the Star Wars Weekly Roundup! All right, two pieces of news, as I said. Number one, guys, it's time for us to give a huge congratulations to something that happened today. Diego Luna, ever heard of him? Cassian Andor himself was nominated for Best Actor in a Drama for a Golden Globe. Look at that. First Star Wars actor ever. Uh, in TV, at least. Really? Uh, first, but okay, I, I, yeah. Second Star Wars actor since... Uh, do you guys know who's the only other Star Wars actor to get nominated for a Globe? Um, wait, wait. Is, Go- is Golden Globes just Is it recent? TV? It is... Uh, no, it's TV and movies. Oh. Let me think. Alec Guinness. Yes, sir, Charles! Very first good. one Very since good. Sir Alec Guinness. Over 40 years since the Star Wars actor has been nominated for their performance. Uh I mean, but, like, yeah, right? Like, deserved. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, like deserved. of course. <laughs> well yeah. I'm a little surprised. Honestly, it didn't It didn't get more nominations. I think yeah. I think the, the internet was collectively surprised that uh, uh, Andy Serkis was not nominated yep. and that uh, uh, Stellan Skarsgård Stellan Skarsgård yep. wasn't yep. nominated yeah. either. Tough stuff this year, but. Yeah, yeah. like, none of those supporting actor mm-hmm. or actress roles nope. weren't. Hmm. Nope, but. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But Diego. Namesake, uh, yeah, so well deserved. If somehow, we got one. <laughs> if somehow uh, you watched or listened to our show and haven't watched Andor yet, I I don't believe you. But <laughs> if, you, if your friends haven't, use this. Be like, see, you're a dirty see, rotten liar. See, it's really good. Um, I love that. Again, every every kind of major award that Star Wars TV gets nominated for it just brings more legitimacy to what we're doing. So it's really fun. Couldn't have deserved it more. Um, but, of course, Andor is now kind of the past until we get season two. The future is the coming projects, uh, including one that's coming up in March. One of the most anticipated of all of all year. I'll say not all time. All year. We have a lot of projects. Uh, Jedi Survivor, the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order, officially got a gameplay trailer at Thursday night's Game Awards. Uh, we got to see Cal in action. We got to see other characters we got to see him like force pull a stormtrooper and have it shoot other people for him double lightsabers going over the place grappling hook shots possibly a high republic jedi antagonist depending um so while we look at cal's glorious image there and the pre-order button that i definitely clicked earlier this week and spent 90 of my own american dollars um (laughs) 
Fellas, what what'd you think about this uh, about the trailer? I think we all played the first one. So uh, yeah. how are you feeling about how the second one looks? It uh it looks fun for sure. I mean, it looks like it looks like more of the same, which is in a way encouraging. In some ways, mm-hmm. I found it a little discouraging in some ways sure. that it's more of the same. But I think when I see a new gameplay trailer like this that does show real gameplay, you want to see for a sequel, especially. I think you want to see more of the same because yeah. Uh, you know, it means they they have a good like formula already. You know yeah. what I mean? It's so, what we loved in the first one, and now there's animals. Yeah. Now I can ride yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it looks like they basically have just really expanded on the first one, um, and there's some really good moments in there too. I have a lot of questions about like, yeah. where are certain characters? Where mm-hmm. are you know yes. that sort of thing? So I'm excited. It's gonna be yeah, fun. There's some familiarity there for when they ha- make it exactly the same way. But Respawn yeah. does a really good job with these single player games. Yeah, man. Um, so I have like no qualms about. Um, about them, like keep probably, pretty much keeping it the same. I hope they change that map. Oh my god! I hope they please. change that map and how you use it. Please. But, um. Yeah. I mean, there's gonna be there's gonna be upgrades to like the system requirements, and then there's gonna be you know new technology used, so it's gonna yep. look better. It's gonna it's gonna run better. Yep. Um. And it's on uh, new gen, right? The new yep. gen consoles. New gen only. Okay. Perfect. And hey, maybe and that's forty ninety. Huh? What? What is it that's the $90, Eric? Is that the, like, super awesome thing that I, like, awesome upgrade version, or is that just the base version? Wes, what a great an- what a great question. The base version, um, just the game is $70. Because that's a lot of, so- Sony and Microsoft have both said for, like, their new gen, like... That's too damn high! $10 extra. <laughs> oh, yeah, they spent three years every single day and night building this game, and you're like, oh, I don't know, $70. Um... It's a lot of money, but the twenty dollars extra, Wes. Here's the thing: it's real stupid, and I did it anyway. I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> uh, all those cosmetics we talked about last week: the Luke jacket, the Han jacket, the Obi Wan uh-huh. outfit, the Luke saber, the Obi Wan saber, and then the two blasters. That's it. I'm paying twenty additional dollars for fake cosmetics. That you know what? You know what's funny about it? Probably not going to use them. <laughs> yeah, I probably won't. I, but, I no, don't no, want to. No. I understand. <laughs> I get it. But I, I get them. it. But just to know that you have them, I get it. I will grind out like like unlocking weapons and stuff yep. that I will never use yep. ever in a game. It is so. I, but knowing that I listen, have it, it is yeah, stressful playing Call of Duty with Wes every single time I play. <laughs> I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm working. We've only played together like twice, and it's just like he's like, I gotta unlock these weapons. I gotta unlock these. I'm like, dude, just play the damn game. Like, what is happening? No, 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 no. He's like stressed out, man. It's <laughs> like we're losing. Well, yeah, I have to crouch behind a boulder and get three sniper headshots for people that are jumping. Like, that's all I can do. <laughs> See, Eric gets it. Eric, we need to play together. Yeah, man. That's, that's me playing God of War Ragnarok oh, lately. I haven't done a story mission because I because I'm packing. I can only play for like half an hour at midnight. So I'm not going to do a story mission, but I'll absolutely go look for Odin's ravens and open chests and stuff. Yeah, I'll get armor that's worse than what I'm wearing. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm stoked about Jedi Survivor. One thing I do want to ask you guys about, the antagonist. That was the big thing. Who's in the, the, the tank, right, was the big question. Some people were like, is it Marin? Is it blah, blah, blah? And we found out they are a character. Uh, it seems like a new character that was, like, abandoned by... What I feel like this is, a, this is a mixture of what I saw, and I watched some Alex Damon videos. It seems like it's a Jedi that was like abandoned and just left there and, and survived, right? Survivor, and then is wearing like golden tabards later on in cutscenes. Hmm. I think I because th- well, guys, the new Living Force speculates a bit. We're fun like That's that. That's right. <laughs> I think this is a High Republic Jedi that was left in a place that got attacked, 
and then everyone else died, and they're from the High Republic era. And I think that's how they're wow. bringing the High Republic into, into mainstream canon. That would be quite... That's my guess. That would be quite the, the story. Man, bringing High Republic to a video game would be kind of next level, I think. Aren't they doing a High Republic video game? Yeah. Well, Eclipse. well who's to say? Eventually. Eclipse? No. Maybe. Eclipse. <laughs> Probably not. Oh! Well, speaking of that, though, <clears throat> uh, another High Republic-esque thing. Uh, Cal showed a cross-guard lightsaber hilt that, in that the trailer. That was cool. That was it. I forgot about that already. It looks like the saber is even more customizable this time. Because there was like... Yes. It looked like there was a difference in the length of the hilt, and even the blade mm-hmm. at certain points looked like it was even longer than usual. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and there was like, and previously, if you wanted to do both sabers, I think you had to have it in the double whip, double saber configuration, and then you could break it. But now you can be using one and then whip out a second one. Like it, it seems like the gameplay is going to be really fun. And I'm glad it doesn't look like they're going to make us go back to like Padawan, where I don't know, I lost all my powers at the beginning of the game. Like no. I'm a Jedi. <laughs> like it's been five. It's been five years since the last one, so Cal's like a Jedi Knight Ooh, properly. Jump. So, very excited about this coming out. Comes out in March, I believe. I believe as of now, because <clears throat> allegedly. Oh yeah, these things never get delayed. That's the good thing. Um, allegedly, the uh, Jedi Battle Scars, the book that we talked about the cover, I think last week, week before, that comes out. I think two weeks before the game. Which I think is great. That's a good time. Yeah, yeah. That's a good Two time. Two weeks, read the book, get all caught up, get a little story in between, and then, pre- again, like I did, I bought it on PS5 this time. I switched Xbox to PS5, preload it, and then take the day off work and play. So, very excited. Very excited for that. A lot of great stuff coming out, of course. Before that, we do receive a book that you want to pre-order. It's an audio drama, in fact. The High Republic Battle of Jedha by George Mann is coming out January 3rd, and... For those of you that didn't go over StarWars.com today, we did receive our full cast list for the audio drama as well as a seven-and-a-half-minute preview uh, of the audio drama itself, the first, like, seven-and-a-half minutes. So if you haven't, go ahead, go over there. There are characters from Convergence, which we'll talk about. There's characters from Quest for the Hidden City. Uh, If you're a fan of Solange's show and you read George Mann's previous work, obviously he's going to bring his friends in from there. So lots to be excited about for there. But, of course, in order to listen to that, you got to go com and go to the release calendar that our glorious friends and the database team maintain and make sure you get that pre-order in all right oh man this is usually where i just like sit back and throw the show to charles but it's different tonight everyone it is round table night if you did not listen to our path of deceit round table you missed that we are switching up a little bit of how we do round tables now here at utini uh, in the living force we are going to be shifting the quote-unquote main host each week uh, all that means is that as opposed to Charles kind of driving the ship, uh, we're going to have a different person each book. And guess what? I said, you know what? I'm not moving my whole life until Thursday or Saturday. I'll do an entire roundtable on Monday. So this one is for me, folks. Um, so wish me luck. Charles, uh, any any pointers before I try to drive my first roundtable from the master? What do, you, what do you think? What should I be thinking about? Uh, there's nothing left you can do. <laughs> it, it, everything that matters is what you've already done. So oh, just sit no. back and it is what it is. It's fruitless to advice. try. All right. Thanks, Charles. <laughs> um, so for uh, anyone, this is your final spoiler warning. Uh, going forward, you will hear full spoilers from Zoraida Cordova's The High Republic Convergence. We may mention things from Path of Deceit and Quest for the Hidden City as well. Well, we'll try to keep those at, at a minimum. Uh, but just to be on the safe side, if you'd like to go in fully spoiler-free, pause the show. Go read the entire book and then come on back. Um, 
Okay, I think I gave him enough time. Fellas, <laughs> without further ado, uh, let's dive into our roundtable for The High Republic Convergence by Zoraida Cordova. This is the first adult novel of Phase 2 of The High Republic. Phase 2, Wave 1, if you will. Uh, what we're going to do, we're going to do a full plot synopsis. And then followed by that, we've each brought a couple prompts to the table. We're going to talk about some things about the book, uh, what we thought about it, kind of have some conversations as we do on these, kind of dissect the book a bit, hopefully end it knowing more than we did. And then Charles, out of the goodness of his heart and his assigned job, has put together a list of Easter eggs uh, because we all love those. And, of course, how else are we going to put together the Utinis for 2023? So, without any further ado, oh, yay, Charles, I will put you to work. Uh, go ahead and start us off with the first bit of the plot synopsis for the Higher Public Convergence. All right, wonderful. So, here we go. The planets of Irem and Erino are stuck in a forever war. For generations, the planets have fought each other to the point where they must reach out for aid for basic resources for their people. Erino is waiting on a water shipment from the Republic, but during the delivery, an accident occurs in the skies between the planets, causing Princess Ziri to tumble towards the enemy planet of Irem. Although she almost drowns, she's rescued by Fantu, the prince of Irem, who she rewards by putting a knife to his throat. Fantu instead rescues Ziri, and although she considers killing herself rather than being taken prisoner, she eventually goes with Fantu to meet his mother, the queen, and the queen consort. Back in the Republic, the Forever War has disrupted proposed trade routes so much that Chancellor Malo, one of the two chancellors of the Republic, has decided to visit the system with Jedi Master Sun and Jedi Knight Gela Natai in order, to find, uh, in order to hold a peace summit on the neutral moon between the planets. Both planets send their rulers and heirs to the Republic ship Paxion for a peace summit, and they're all joined by the remarkably charismatic rogue Axel Greylark, who is there to keep eyes on Malo in the proceedings as a favor to his mother, the other Republic Chancellor. Peace talks almost immediately dissolve as old grudges come to light amongst the two ruling families, but those tensions are pushed even further by moves behind the scenes by members of the Path of the Open Hand. As the fight continues, Princess Ziri offers an ancient solution to unite their people, an arranged marriage between her and Fantu. Despite numerous objections by advisors on each side, the plan is agreed upon and a publicity campaign is planned to introduce both planets to the couple and the idea of peace. During the chaos of the proceedings, Ziri's lifelong friend and loyal servant of Irino, Captain Sigaru, is found murdered in what is seen as an attempted assassination of the heirs. A protest breaks out at his funeral, and in order to facilitate the peace campaign, it is agreed that Gela and Axel will act as bodyguards to take Ziri and Fantu across the planet's surface. The first outpost the group visits finds Ziri challenged to a duel by a native of Irono. Despite Fantu's desire to protect his future wife, Ziri accepts, wins, and the bond between the couple grows stronger and stronger. The peace campaign continues with the crew discovering warriors that believe the war is still going on, and through trials and battles, Ziri and Fantu only grow closer. But so do Axel and Gela. Despite Axel's hatred of the Jedi, there's something about Gela he can't deny. It is revealed that Sagaru's death was caused by Rev Farrell, the son of Ziri's father's trusted advisor, and he has become the leader of the Children of Arano, an extremist group that refuses any kind of peace talks. However, their threat is momentarily, the threat is momentarily muted as another agent of the Path of the Open Hand attempts to assassinate Ziri, but she is captured just as we learn the identity of another one of the Path's agents, Axel Greylark himself. He is the mother's agent of chaos. 
Before the assassin can reveal Axel or anyone else's identity, she is murdered in her cell, and an invitation to an illicit space station, the Hesperus, is discovered on her body. Axel and Gella travel to the station and meet Ney Medine, one of Axel's old contacts who means to kidnap Gella, so she fights for her as a gladiator. Axel almost takes the deal to clear his own bounties, but instead, the two break out after getting the information they came for. Miraculously, the wedding of Ziri and Fantu is almost here, and before the ceremony, Fantu has, ta- has Axel take him to an Irem facility. Back when the Path Agent was killed, he recognized her death as that of a Thylefire Scorpion, and only one person has made poison with that venom, Fantu's own mother. The facility shows that the creation of the poison has continued despite Fantu being told it was all destroyed, but before he can shut everything down, a giant scorpion breaks free and attempts to kill him, but Axel gets in the way. The scorpion's poison sends Axel into a flashback where we discover that he was the one smuggling parts to the mother to build the gaze electric, and he has never been able to wiggle out of her grasp. Axel thankfully recovers, and Fantu goes to confront his mother, who admits everything. Ziri overhears everything, but says that they should keep the facility active so that both worlds can be strengthened in the future. Everything calms for a single night as a grand party is thrown in advance of the wedding. Axel and Gela share an intimate dance before Axel slinks off, is almost assassinated by the Viceroy of Arano, and admits that he was the one who killed the Path Agent. The wedding day arrives, and Athel leaves a bounty, punk to, a bounty puck to draw all of the bounty hunters in the surrounding area to the wedding site, creating maximum chaos. Gela searches for him as the hunters descend on the wedding, and he calls to her through the Force, eventually leading her to find him holding a detonator connected to a huge amount of poison vials. A giant battle breaks out at the wedding, but Fantu and Ziri pledge themselves to each other and seal their bond with a kiss before joining the fray. They fight alongside their people on Earth and Sky as Axel takes down the protective dome protecting the city. Gela finally gets through to Axel, but it's too late. The tower surrounding them crashes down, but Gela protects them with the force as the surrounding battle ends with Ziri and Fantu victorious. When the dust settles, it is agreed that the official peace treaty of the Forever War will be signed at a neutral site, Jeddah. Gela informs her fellow Jedi that she will become a wayseeker. She needs to see more of the galaxy, and through her conversations with Axel, her thoughts about the Force have shifted. His mother gifts her his ship, the Eventide. Axel, meanwhile, is in prison for his crimes, but his mind continuously goes back to Gela. The mother of the open hand attempts to send him a message, but he destroys it and instead chooses chooses to wait for Chaos to find him. All right. So that was High Republic Convergence, the first adult novel we've gotten since The Fallen Star. Before we get into some specifics, uh, fellas, I just want to hear what you thought of this book, just as a whole, as a reading experience. Um, Charles, since you never get to do this, let's just start with you, man. How was your reading experience of uh, Convergence? Yeah. Tell us how you how you read it, too. Like, what medium? Oh, yes! Read. Yeah, what medium? Uh, well, so first of all, great job, Eric, because those... Uh, synopses are not easy and that was great i needed that as a refresher Thanks, man um but yeah so i i read this front to back paper copy as i always do um i i never really do the audio books and that's just more so a preference for doing the easter eggs so that's how i experienced mm-hmm. this and i really i did enjoy the book i i think i struggle with some bigger picture things but if i just take this book in and of itself i think it's quite good uh it's it's very much a character study. I mean, though there is obviously a lot of plot happening with this forever war and whatnot, it doesn't really, as far as I can tell, at least move the overall plot of the High Republic. But I ended up doing something that I didn't think I was going to do in this entire phase of the High Republic. And that's grow to really love and care about these characters. Because in my mind, it was 
you know, if we're going back in time, spending a whole phase just giving context to the first phase, um, I just want to get back to those characters, right? I, right, I right. love Bell Zetafar. I loved, loved Loden Greatstorm, Stellan Geos, Ooh. you know. Uh, but I love those characters. That's who I want to get back to. That's what I want to learn about. And yet, somehow, I still find myself really liking, really caring about Fantu, Axel, Ziri, Gela, all these characters. So props to Zerida Cordova for that. I still have my hesitations about using this much real estate for something that I don't know that it really pushed the dial forward in terms of the overall narrative. But we'll we'll get into that a little <clears throat> bit more later. Yeah, I, I love how you how you say that, and I want to I want to jump on just on the back of that because I'm very similar to you, and then I want to uh, jump over to Corey and Wes here. Um, when I was reading the book, I found it very interesting at the start because it felt unlike a Star Wars book almost. Like it almost felt I wrote I wrote this in my review for the site, almost more like Dune or something. Like it was very different, and I realized that as I just went into the story, I was having a great time, but in the larger narrative, I did have that moment. That is that is pretty unique to Star Wars, honestly. Of like, okay, but this is canon, right? What is this doing? How does it affect Bell and you know Elzar and Avar and all of them? Like, because we clearly did this for a reason, and I think that's where the larger conversation happens. But but I do agree, purely as a craft written narrative with characters and conflict and moments of action, moments of romance, moments of conversation. I I loved this book quite a lot, actually. Um. I thought it was I, I liked it far better than Path of Deceit, personally. I've seen both reactions from various people. Um, this is probably my standout of, of phase two so far as a narrative book, but I but I do agree it will be interesting again, hindsight's twenty twenty, to see how it fits into the narrative because I have trouble realizing I I like these people, I like these planets, but are Irem and Arono anything more than a flashback in Into the Dark? When we go forward, you know what I mean? Um, Corey West, what do you guys think? So, um, I first... Sorry. I first... um, I picked it up uh, through audiobook. So, I I enjoy it through audiobook. Mm -hmm. um, And which helps me pronounce the names a lot better that helps that's the way um, i <laughs> and i kind of like what charles is saying i as a standalone book i think it was a great story um but i i was hung up on how is this going to how is this going to be combined with the high republic and what are the what are the main stressors that it's going to catapult us into the next story into the high republic and right. the next story after that um so that was kind of my hang up on it too i was just kind of seeing what is this how is this all tying into the high republic um, and it kind of did at the very end, and you know the, we had the little pieces with um, with the gaze electric and uh, and Axel, but um, I was getting confused quite a bit um, with who is the ruler of Arano, who is the ruler of Iram, who is the bad the bad world, and who is the good world, who is the ocean world, who is the dust. This world. is why I like reading. It's, honestly, <laughs> this is why I don't do audiobooks. Like straight up, this is exactly why. <laughs> yeah, so that that could probably be a um, an issue for me by li- actually listening to the audiobook and not reading it, because um, I was definitely um, rewinding quite a bit mm-hmm. to, um, and I had listened to probably an hour and a half, maybe two hours of it, and I restarted the book yep. because yeah, um, it was just too confusing for the beginning. Yeah. Um, be so, kind, rewind, kids. Right. So, but but I did I did think it was a good story for sure, um, but. Whether we know that it ties into something much, much bigger, we won't know until you know the future uh, books or yeah. stories or novels come out later. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I 
Okay, yeah, we, we we were absolutely ending this roundtable with a giant conversation on, like, what is the purpose of Star Wars books, I think, which is going to be very fun. Uh, Corey, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, so I, I read this uh, this one digitally on Kindle. I didn't – actually, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I read the first – I listened to the first ten chapters or so, I think, on uh, Audible, actually, now that I'm thinking yeah. about it. You do a lot of hybrid, don't you? Yeah, I, I forget I about do, that. yeah. I do a lot of hybrid based on what I'm doing. I mean, I'm, I like, if I'm trying to get through a book, like, I'll switch to – reading and I don't have as good of an experience when I do that because I speed read often. I think it's just the ADHD. I just have trouble, you know, really staying hooked on it. Um, so I, I will mix it sometimes, um, you know, to get, to get it done and that sort of thing. And, um, this one, I found this one to be okay. Um, a little bit like, I, I, I think that, you know, I want to, I'm most excited to talk about the big picture, I think, um, yeah. with, with you guys, because, you know, I'm, I'm very confused by what is happening, like with the High Republic and, um, sure, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, we, we keep having these like really, really good stories that independently are good stories that are kind of supposed to feel connected, but like I, I they're, they're kind of missing it, the mark a little bit for me as, as far mm-hmm. as being connected, I guess, uh, maybe that's, maybe that's intentional and, I think this is one of those things that's just going to kind of frustrate me until we get to the end and we know the whole story. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah. Like the very end of the initiative. I'm talking end yeah. of phase three. Then right, we can right. finally see how all the pieces fit together. But, like, mm. I, I don't know. I, I find myself feeling impatient reading some of these books a little bit. It's a good way yeah. to put it. Um, that's let's you know what let's let's this is my round table let's do that first let's dive into <laughs> okay. this point because we, we all brought it up a lot and, and i like the way you say that because this has been an interesting thing with star wars since the beginning right like some people not any of us on this call some people do give crap to like empire strikes back because it's a perfect movie but it's not a full movie because it requires jedi right empire ends and you still need another movie so it's technically not a complete film Right? Like, it doesn't have a beginning, middle, and full ending. I think that's a ludicrous argument, but it's out there, right? And I think with books, it's always interesting. Like, you know, as we grew up, like, reading Harry Potter, for instance, you knew there was going to be seven. So each book you read had to give your interest, but you knew there were more coming out. And Star Wars books, there's not necessarily as much of a finite thing until we get to the High Republic. Yeah. We know this is three phases. We, well... Money talks. But we know for now it's three phases, right? And on a broad scale, do you guys find that idea, even outside of just Convergence, do you find that idea helpful? They're like, okay, this is going to have an ending. I'm excited to like read the whole thing. Or do you mm-hmm. find it now stressful to be like, we only have three phases. Did this do enough for me? Like, Where, mm-hmm. where is it on the positive-negative scale for you? I... I don't think the number of phases are as necessarily as important as like the, maybe the phase itself. And then whatever the, mm-hmm. whatever the, it just has to feel like the, the pieces are coming together to, to tell a larger cohesive story. Like sure. a good example of this is the way that the Phantom Menace and um, Attack of the Clones describe the Sith, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we have a um, we have an antagonist, right? Darth Maul shows up, and suddenly the Jedi freak out, and they're like, "Whoa, there's a Sith! We haven't seen a Sith for millennial. There's no way that's true." And then, like, right. we don't we don't really get much else than that, right? There's a little bit of Sidious in that, but we kind of see some some pieces kind of coming together, um, but they're kind of like heavy, hard hitting like story plot points. I feel like, and then we get Attack of the Clones, and we see 
Dooku con- conversing with mm-hmm. you know Sidious and that sort of stuff, and oh, they've had a hand in creating the clones, and it was all their plan all along. Like, you know, there's a very obvious major one major plot line being built up, built up, built up in that sort of thing, and I think that this this is going to come across a little harshly, and yeah, I hope it isn't not taken the wrong way. I think that the creators may feel like they're being very intentional and very obvious about whatever there is they're building up to. But mm-hmm. quite frankly, I have no idea what the hell it is. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Gen- like, gen- like genuinely, like, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like we get a lot of pieces of like really, really good stories, like mm-hmm. that are all kind of coming together to be some big thing involving yeah. Martian Rowe and whatever his family yeah. history and all like, that stuff Yeah, the is. path, like mm-hmm. being the Rose and then the uh, electric mansion, like we get, yeah, yeah you're but, right, snippets, yeah. But what is it? It's taken so long to get there and we keep taking these big detours that like it feels like it could be a really big detour, a really good detour, but then we stop abruptly. A perfect example of this is the Dren Gear from last, is that? Is that oh, called? wow, yeah. Phase yeah, one, the Dren yeah. Gear Dren from Gear, last, yeah. Phase one. Last yep. phase, like that could have been an excellent story that that was really dragged out and been a significant part. It could have been all tied into this and maybe it still will be, but like it felt like we we started with that really great, cool story about this other alien species and then we just dropped it. It got shifted to comics and then we never thought about it again, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. so like what is happening with the rose and the path? And I know we're only the second book in the into this phase in stuff, three. but like three. We had Quest for the Hidden City. That's that's still right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we're so three, three books. Yeah. We're three books into this phase. Uh, I still have no idea what's, you know, what we're leading up to. And, you know, to kind of go a step further than that, I didn't know what we were leading up to in the first phase, right? Like, right. like what yeah. did we learn? I mean, I don't really know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. So so maybe, maybe I hope it all does come together kind of in the final, you know, the final, once it's all assembled. But, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It took 19 books to tell a story with the New Jedi Order. Right, and right. That was way too many, right? And yeah, right. Here, we, here we are, kind of doing that again a little bit. And maybe I'm missing mm-hmm. the point of this. Maybe it's not supposed to be one big cozy story. Maybe this. Maybe we're just experiencing the era. But if that's the case, like, why have there been very obvious mm-hmm. plot devices, you know, to try to lead up to things? Like, is he assembling Infinity Stones? What's he doing, man? Like, I, need, <laughs> I need some more. Yeah. Need some more clues. That you is, know what I mean? That so is I, interesting. I, I. I know you say like somewhat glue, but I do want to pull that out because I do think the marvelization of entertainment is fascinating, uh-huh. right? Because this is also Disney, right? Like this right. is the Infinity War saga was so fascinating because everything was built up to Infinity War and Endgame. And us as a generation, like we experienced that on a media scale that had never happened before. Right. So now to have that going with our book media, it is like, well, what are you building up to? That even Marvel's re- most recent phase had the similar critiques of like, how is this building the Secret Wars? Where's Kang? Like, and it almost says, is that uh, – should we almost intentionally be going away from that to do more isolated oh, no. stories yeah. that are just about narrative? But do I feel like my time is wasted because I could be watching other things or reading other things? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a very big cultural conversation that I – I mean, yeah. these creators did not have to do, worry about this at all in the 90s, 70s. Can you imagine? <laughs> Like telling George Lucas, like, "Hey, how is this all going to tie together?" He's like, "I, it's six movies. Like, what do you mean? What Who are you cares? talking about? Yeah. Who cares?" I know. That's how you would talk about it. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. And maybe it's just not the type of reader I am. And like, I don't know. I find myself. This again sounds really, really harsh, but it captures the essence of what I'm trying to say, the emotion of what I'm feeling. Is it like it? I get to I read these books at least the last two, especially with the Higher Public. I get to the book and I'm like, "What was the point of that exactly? Like, mm-hmm. like what was right. the?" 
take well, away? The, what yeah. was I supposed to? What's the point to... of books? Yeah, I mean, I think, whole... right. I think exactly. that's what's exactly... the point? Like in the big picture, that's the question, right? Is are are we in this for the story, or are we in this for the the end, basically? And like to a degree, yeah. you're you're along for the ride to get to the end in every single story. Mm-hmm. But what I think actually makes this a little bit different is that we do know there are supposedly three phases. And so oh. I wouldn't mind pit stops, as you call them, I think, Corey, or you know, I wouldn't mind jumping back in time and just experiencing a story for what it is if this was sort of an indefinite thing. And we are doing exactly that, just exploring the right. era. But when it's 33% of the overall story, sure, that makes me feel like this needs to really, really be impactful and drive that narrative forward. And I haven't gotten that impression up to now but that said again we don't know what they are building to so perhaps it is doing that and we just don't know yet and we should probably Mm. trust them because they did you know all the creators did such a good job with phase one i'm sure phase two is going to be no different but you know Corey, you mentioned what was the point of that right i think it can't be the characters it can't Mm. be the characters even though they're written very well because none of them are going to be around for phase three so it has to be plot points so then i ask myself what are the plot points that are new that Mm. were introduced in this story and it kind of is just like the weird poison like more or less that's the only kind of new plot point because we already had the mother we already had the gaze electric we already knew we were going to jetta You know, yeah. so it's setting, yeah, it's setting up, it's kind of setting up what we assume is the Battle of Jedi. Well, not assume, we know. Like, yeah. it's setting up the Battle of Jedi, which also, though, was talked about in the end of Quest for the Hidden City. And I think this is part of the thing we talked about in phase one is <laughs> the benefit, but also the hardship of how do we make sure that everyone that is reading only what they want to read is caught up going forward. And at some point, that's impossible. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, you, you oh, can't. Man. You either have to be all in or you're not. And I think that Previously that is interesting here. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, real. Yeah. That's, the, that's yeah. the crawl, man, right? I, um, I, I think I also wanted to say that part of my – I think part of my feelings too is I, I feel very unresolved from the first phase too, I think, right? Like, you know, yeah. if if, if yeah. this is the, you know, the sort of the original trilogy, you know, prequel trilogy formula that we're using here, right? If yep. we tell a story, then yep, we go definitely. back and tell the origin story, right? Like, like we didn't really conclude – I don't know. Like the, we didn't really conclude the first phase. I feel like where's like, Buryaga? You know I mean? Yeah, where's Buryaga? <laughs> what was the story? What is Marcian yeah. Row up to? Which will be like, three, right? Yeah, which is going to be phase three. But like, I think if you're going to use this formula of you tell a story and then you go back and tell a story, then you come back and tell a story to continue the first one, is like there has to be some resolution. I feel like, and I think that is maybe part of the problem. I, I'm feeling a little bit is I feel like there is zero resolution with any of this. It's like watching game yeah. of Thrones for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Cause at the end of the, cause if we're doing the original trilogy, prequel trilogy, sequel trilogy model, like each of those trilogies just have an end. Like the, the return of the Jedi, that could be it. And it was for, for decades. Right. Yeah. And like, same thing with the prequel trilogy. Well, we already had the original trilogy. So you can kind of go into that. And the sequel trilogy is kind of its own thing. So I will be very interested to see where that goes in phase three. But what I'm interested in doing in doing now to kind of slightly pivot from that is to now let's, let's go in the – so if that's what the big picture is, we're a little confused where it's going, mm-hmm. and maybe that uh, it resolves itself. I want to dive into some specifics of the book, and then maybe, again, as we always do with these roundtables, we always come out with a, with a really interesting kind of thought as how it goes. Then let's see, cool, as, as a book itself, does it have enough merit – for us to just kind of enjoy the story and then trust in the future or 
does that first part still need to be there? And going forward, will we expect more? I think that's an interesting uh, kind of point to make. So I actually want to start off the actual book itself of Convergence here. Um, so start off our end of the show. Um, I do want to talk about the way war is presented in this book. Because I was fascinated yeah. by this because I think we have never quite seen an active war to this level before. Like, we have seen we have seen the Clone Wars. We've seen the Rebellion. We saw the sequel trilogy. Like, we've seen wars, obviously, throughout. But this is generational infighting between planets, right? This is – we are being plunged in as outsiders to kind of see what yeah. a feud is properly. Like, warriors on both sides are so resistant to peace. There's a scene where uh, they find warriors stranded that are that yeah. will not accept peace talks because then they're like, then what am I doing? My entire identity – is war. My, my leaders have abandoned me, but this is all I am. And then we see the new generation of Ziri and Fantu being so ready for peace because they actually see from the outside how the fight has affected their people for, for their whole lives. So what did you guys think of this kind of view of war from the people, both outside of it with the monarchs, but also seeing the ground soldiers that have just kind of been identified by this? And then thirdly, lots of questions in this, by, by the Jedi – who are coming in and being like, what the hell is going on? Like, what was this war like as opposed to everything else we've seen in Star Wars? Oh, that's a good question. I think most of the time, I think it's a bit of a commentary on on humans in general, but most of the time we see these wars uh, waged and continued by older people who have been wronged and are holding grudges. Whether that's Anakin getting all of his limbs chopped off and being burned alive, which, to be fair, <laughs> it's a pretty good thing to hold a grudge about. I'd be mad, yeah. Uh, or it is, you know, the the monarch <laughs> of Irino in this book. I mean, it, it's those people who can't let something go. And yeah. war it's, is old men talking and young men dying. Exactly, exactly. And it's and it's. I don't know. It's the young people that kind of step forward and say, you know, I'm willing to kind of wipe the slate clean. And that's what we saw from from Ziri and Fan too. And I'm sure all of us have experienced where maybe you've been in some dumb argument with a friend or a sibling or something. And literally all it takes is for one of the two of you to be like, you know, this is stupid. I'm sorry. And they're like, yeah, me too. Like, this doesn't yeah. actually matter. Yeah. But before that, you're yeah. you're ready to fisticuff this person. Yeah. So, so I mean, it, it makes sense. And it's just that to an extremely exaggerated scale. And when you add in the generational aspect is what makes it really interesting because yeah. it's not just something that's necessarily happened in your lifetime. It's something you feel like you have a, a duty to, like your family, like maybe your grandfather died in this war or whatever it is. So uh, that aspect was was really interesting. And I'm sure we'll get around a little bit more to the, the Jedi's view of that. But I find that particularly interesting because they don't have those family ties like at yeah. all. So they, it's yeah. totally foreign to them to say, I'm fighting this war because my family lineage, this is what we always do. Like that, that does not compute for them. Yeah. Like they have the moments of like, don't you care that your brother was killed by these people? It's like yeah. it's, that keeps being repeated. And then you care that your son yeah. died. And like, mm-hmm. it, it, it reminded me of like, um, uh, the Viceroy is very much like uh, like Wormtongue in Lord of the Rings oh, the Thaden, right? Like, my liege, don't you remember? He's not welcome. <laughs> God like, and, and then eventually, like Wormtongue, he gets cast out. And he's like, hold on, I need to listen to my daughter who's actually speaking truth. Very Eowyn-y. I'm, just, I'm actually, as I'm saying this, just realizing how it, literally this is what it is. And I love you, Zoraida, for doing that. Um, but, it's, but it is, I think, like you say, Charles, I think commentary is the exact word 
like obviously a lot of Star Wars reflects real life. George Lucas is very open about how like Star Wars is very reflective of Vietnam and things like that. But this particular book, I think, hit this unique stripe of like the the hope is in the younger generation of being mm-hmm. like I will do what I have to, even if it means getting married, which also isn't like a horrible thing, which we'll talk about later on on how marriage is treated in this book. Like I will fix this. Not as a defiance to my father, but because I have seen what it's done to my family. And I I loved, again, outside of the larger picture of the High Republic of Star Wars, I thought that was just a fascinating story of war. Yeah, yeah that's a good way to um, put that. Yeah, remind me again about how it started between Aaron Owen and uh, Iram, or we I don't, don't know. We know, do we? We don't know. No. I think that we've mm. yeah, we know that the the fighting the fighting has has, and I believe this is correct. Yes. Uh, so Ziri's brother was killed, but during the right. war, the war had already begun. The war was already happening, mm. and I think that's again that's the fascinating thing about these long wars. Like there are these stripes all over the our planet, right? Of these, we've hated Group X and Group Y. Since we've been born, there's just been things compounding on top yeah. of each other that makes them hate each other more. Wes, let, me, let me put this keep in going Texan under the center. terms, okay? Iram is the Hatfields, Erono oh, is the McCoys, yes. okay? <laughs> Absolutely. That all started with the McCoys shooting one of the Hatfields <laughs> pigs, I think. <laughs> all right, we're Team <laughs> Hatfield on this really podcast. <laughs> I got you. Charles, I thought you were going like, they're Texas. And there ain't them. Around, <laughs> <laughs> so th- these people Anyways. in Texas, these people are everyone else. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, that, I mean, I was I was trying to think about how it even started, but yeah, I can also see these things like like I said, there was compounding on top of just like sedimentary rock or something. It's like there's a death here, there's a conflict here, there's somebody got kicked in the nuts over here, somebody <laughs> yeah. got like the oh, that money stolen happened. over here. Absolutely. You know. So and it just. They've been hating each other for multiple reasons, multiple probably small, stupid reasons, yeah. um, and probably real incredible like deaths, yeah. death family members and stuff. But it's all going to happen uh, within war. Um, yeah, I did. I mean, very interesting. A generational war, and then having um, ceasefires where they can get aid to the to the to both worlds, yep. so they can at least like live a little. Yeah. And have food and some kind of sustenance, but yeah. um, and then be like, all right, everybody go, and yeah. then they start fighting again. Like, don't they see that during the ceasefire that they can eat and they can kind of like, I don't know, be cordial yeah. to each other at least. But and, well, that's what I love uh, about it is that and it, like the soldiers are like, hey, the war is over. They're like, it's absolutely not. I refuse. I refuse to admit that. Aren't you living in? Don't you feel like you've been abandoned? Yeah, I do. But no, like there's just yeah. such an ingrained. Oh, I know. And, well, and, you know, the it, longer that a war goes on like that, the more likely you are to suffer personally, right? Like it, it, the yeah. the larger conflict in and of itself might not have affected these people when it began, but then you add in all of these small things that can happen, and over time it's going to affect you. And now it's not a conflict between Aram and Irano. Now it's a conflict between me and this soldier on the other side who right. just shot the guy next to me, who was my friend yep. from back home, right? So mm-hmm. when it's been going yeah. on long enough. Even outside of the generational aspect, you find reasons to keep fighting. And humans will find reasons to keep fighting. So it's not surprising something like this happened. Yeah, and the poetry of it beginning with, we need a water shipment. And the other planet is a water planet. Yeah. Like the fact that like we need to literally use the galactic trade routes to get this resource when we won't go. If there is peace, we could, it would be right there. It's right there. Like, 
it's just such a great okay yeah it's it's not new it's not inventive necessarily because that's humans that is the most like relatable thing is shooting yourself in the foot because that other guy did too and i i really loved how she kind of framed that um and then i, I do that help is right there yeah that's crazy but it's they won't right take it there. until yeah. of course ziri and fantu again two characters which like you said charles i love these guys i really did um and I thought they were really strong for their planets. Like they, they didn't start the, the 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 book is like war is bad. Why can't we stop war? Like no, they were they were going. You know, yeah. like Ziri's in a fighter. She's shooting down Iron People. Like I like that. And she put a knife to his throat. But their relationship, I want to bring up because we when we did our Path of the Sea Roundtable, we talked about Kevmo and and uh, Marta's relationship and how we all kind of had a little bit of trouble buying into it that was like clearly the romance angle of the book but it it, even though it worked at the end we all kind of agreed that the for whatever reason the structure of their relationship and their love story didn't quite ring as true so i wanted to ask you guys about ziri and fantu because this weirdly begins with the agreement of marriage like at the top so and Mm -hmm. then once that happens then they kind of fall in love which i think is a very like anti-Western sentiment to an extent, like are, like Western cultures arranged marriage. Oh, that's terrible. That's got to be the worst. How could you ever love each other? That's anti-love. And this book is like, nah. They agreed to get married, and then by the end, they're like doing like Elizabeth, Elizabeth and Will in Pirates of the Caribbean back to back, like getting married during a battle. So to be fair, we were just fed Mon Mothma and Perrin <laughs> like a couple. Yeah, of- you're right. It doesn't <laughs> always say, work. There's a similarity. It doesn't there. always work. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you guys think about about one there the arranged marriage idea? Um, but also, did you buy it? Did you buy the two of them kind of falling in love throughout the book? I did. Uh, I personally. bought it. Yeah, I, I did buy it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I thought, um, it was, I thought it was interesting. I liked that it was a uh, kind of the Jedi's idea, but but Ziri was super down with it. I liked it. Yeah, like like where she she brought it to the, to the you know the table at the peace summit, right? So yeah, it was that was a, a good interesting call i I, yeah. I will say that there's a there's a moment where they're like fighting and they're getting married or some something that happens towards the end of the book that mm-hmm, the battle like yeah i guess it was in the in the heat of the battle or whatever that i uh, he he says something like i am deeply I am in, madly in love with you yeah, or something I'm like that and i was i literally you. put the i literally had to put my candle down to cringe as hard as i did like i was let like, me tell you it oh, wasn't any better in audible either. and then you look <laughs> at your wife and you're like i can never say that to you that sounds fake exactly i would Jeez. never <laughs> that's, exactly, yeah, that's exactly what happened yeah yeah i mean i was just like but she says she says i know after that which was a nice touch yeah, yeah. I, I agree she, doesn't she shoot <laughs> someone in between oh yeah, yeah. That's why yeah, he said. It's yeah, like, yeah. She, she shoots someone, but they're just having. There, there weren't. There wasn't a. The reason it was, it was cringy was not because of the line. It was because we hadn't really seen a lot of romance between them up to that point. I mean, like they, they, they implied that like there was potential there and they could fall in love and they were kind of into each other. But like, I don't think they ever implied that you know mm-hmm. Fantu is deeply, madly in love with her. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, it felt the same way that. When Padme says it in Attack of the Clones, right before they go into the Genos yeah. and uh, well, that arena, worked out fine. She goes, "I am." <laughs> what does she say? She says, "I'm truly, deeply in love with you." And then they kiss, and she's like, yeah. "Are you though?" Because like we were just talking about 
you know, how much we, you were not into each other while you're wearing a, a leather outfit, like on a fireplace. And you're moments The amount ago, of times so. that scene comes up organically mm. on this show is just worrisome. <laughs> it's true. It is worrisome George. indeed. So, I mean, I think, you know. I think the answer to this question is difficult because there are a lot of different kinds of love, right? And a lot of mm-hmm. levels to even those different kinds of loves. And it goes beyond just like, is it romantic? Is it familiar? Whatever it is. I don't think anyone would question how deep-seated their respect was for one another by the time they got to the end of the book. And I think that's where that was coming from. So, like, yeah, it's not not the same, like, Mustafar Lava Hot romance that Padme (laughs) and Anakin had. But... I don't know that it necessarily needed to be. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah I, I bought it. I did. Yeah. I also, I respect yeah. you. You respect me. We're both extremely hot. So, like, I know. This yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying I, did, I didn't buy the. <laughs> yeah, no, the I agree. It's just it, that, that particular level yeah. in the moment felt a little out of place, I think. But yeah. I, I think, I think which, which essentially is a good reflection of kind of this book in general to, uh, to me walking away from the whole experience is that it really tried to do a lot in one book. Like, you know, we have like we have like Dune elements, like you've mentioned. We have mm-hmm. like kind of Game of Thrones elements yep, with like yep. the the what are the Fireborn the or whatever. Thylfire, your Thylfire Fireborn. It absolutely helps the dragon right? quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, like very <laughs> Game of Thrones esque. And now we have this whole like uh, you know Forbidden Love kind of story in there as well. I yeah. guess a little bit. So it just it just it just accomplished. It tried to accomplish a lot. I feel like which felt a little yeah. rushed to me towards the end of the book. Like if this would have been maybe two books, I think would have been mm-hmm. a little bit more interesting. I think and. We've seen this happen a lot uh, lately where they either put too much in one book or not quite enough in one book. Yeah. You know, we felt the same way about uh, the Sith book earlier this year yeah. as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, And it's interesting, too, because it was right of Cordova's last book with The Crash of Fate. That's a – it all takes place in one day story. So we had a love yeah. story in one day. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah. if you follow her, she, like, she's really – she really likes these like, kind of, like, faster love stories. And right. – it was interesting. Uh, quick we plug liked that when, one I, too. when I that was a, yeah. we were big yeah. fans of that book uh, last yeah. last year. That was last year, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Oh no, it this was, was several years, two years ago. Three years ago. Three. Oh my Wee. god, dude! How many pre pandemic? It's, it's it like a Galaxy's, yeah, Edge it's Galaxy's Edge initiative. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Time is not real. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, if you're an audio only listener, I highly recommend uh, looking on YouTube for that moment of where Corey just realized how much time has passed, and it was pretty great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I, I do want to do a, a quick pseudo plug. Um, if you missed it, uh, I got to interview Zarada Cordova, and that should be recently on your audio feed. Or if you're a YouTube listener, that's on the Spotify or Apple podcast feed behind this episode. Um, and I asked her about this because I was I was fascinated by how war and romance are linked together. And she had a very uh, a wonderful response to it. And I, one thing I liked about that, because I agree it, it is fast, right? And I think for me as I was reading it, why it struck me was that Ziri and Fantu have been surrounded by war and death like their entire life. Whether it's this generational war, whether it's Fantu literally having to struggle to survive on the streets, things like that. They've known that like each day can be my last kind of thing. And I think, I, at least I read in this, if you're in that environment all the time and you find someone, you can fall in love pretty immediately because you're like, you know what? I might die tomorrow. And I, I'm used to that. So maybe you're it. And I think this could be great. And and I, I don't know how their marriage goes in life. Obviously, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe Iron Man or Erno both explode knowing these writers. Uh, who's to say? Um, <laughs> one thing that I that I found interesting <laughs> about this whole thing was Fontu was the one that started it all. Yep. Right? So he went went and swam out and yep. rescued um, Ziri. Yep. Um, but then Ziri was the one that offered the, the, the marriage. marriage proposal, yep. right? Yep. So, like, so they're both kind of yeah. – 
on opposites there, and then they come together. She has the decision for the marriage, and he actually like starts the process yeah. of them coming to terms with with a peace treaty or some kind of well, with the marriage. They're basically setting an example for everybody. Yeah, and everybody needs to follow their example going forward. Yeah. But some people, I mean, some people, almost all people actually are the ones that are like, no, we don't want to do this at all. But yeah. they can see how it works from an example. And then maybe throughout, you know, the next generation, they won't fight as much or something. Yeah. But, I, oh, I, I like them being the example. And I also like them being such a team throughout the whole book, too. Like that whole when she does the, the duel, uh, as we said in the synopsis, which is, again, yeah. if you've seen Dune, literally right out of Dune. Um, <laughs> I have a knife. You have a knife. Let's do this. Like, I like that he was like, I need to defend her. Nope, she's got this, but I'm going to support her whenever way I can. How, and, and the whole book is, fig- is them figuring out, how do I... You be- got this, babe! Literally. Pipe <laughs> Man Fontu. Pipe Man Fontu. We all need him. <laughs> but, like, they really just kind of hyped each other up the whole time and were really in, in, in conversation about how can I support you, how can I support you. She kicked the think- guy's ass, too. I'd like to... Oh, God. She destroyed him. It was great. And I love seeing them as, as from jump... Like they didn't really have a lot of fights. They were like, "We're in this. We this is gonna help our people." Oh, hey, you're pretty great too. This is awesome. As opposed to the second romance, um, the pseudo forbidden romance that we get. Of course, what is Star Wars love more than a forbidden love enemies to lovers story? Um, <laughs> Gela and Axel. That doesn't obviously end in in the same kind of great way, but absolutely has those threads of romance. Has those like uh, stolen looks. Does he think of me? Does he not? Should I leave the order? Like, all of that is in there. Um, what did you guys think about about their dynamic together? We're going to talk about Axel separately in a second because he, he's a whole thing. Um, but I but especially once the, the foursome kind of goes off on their PR tour, um, how did they work for you guys? Because they kind of couldn't be more different than mm-hmm. Ziri and Fontu. I um, I genuinely really liked Axel Greylock as a character. I thought he was very unique yes! and weird and interesting, and I enjoyed yes. having mm-hmm. him. Uh, you know, he was a very nice surprise. I think he's a sluttier um, Han Solo. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he was he was written incredibly well. I mean, he was he was absolutely awful to everybody. And yep. Everybody <laughs> freaking hated him, and like they really made him. Like come in and do awful stuff. I think one of my favorite moments of the book is when he tossed that piece of fruit off the side of the, off the, side <laughs> of the ship. Yeah, and they were like, "What the hell, bro? Everybody's starving to death on this planet." And he's yeah. like, "I'm allergic to that. I don't care. I don't care about that." And, and didn't like didn't Gello <laughs> like, like catch it with the forest yeah, or something? Did, I think. Yeah. And yeah, she did. Yeah, that was so, so the audio. Funny, the audio book does him does him justice with the way his voice is. So he's like a very prestigious English accent, and it's. It, uh, Mark Thompson, I mean, just fantastic. So, it's it. so good. Yeah, yeah. I, th- yeah I think I, mean, I, the- I heard he uses a similar voice uh, to Sinjir if you're uh, for Aftermath fans. So if you like, mm. I think it was was it Amir on our team, Jim? Someone is a huge uh, Sinjir fan. I was think it was Jim. I was like, I'm a huge Sinjir fan. I don't know if I like Axel just because he sounds exactly like Sinjir. <laughs> But yeah, great voice. He's choice. just like, oh no, darling, I would never have anything like that. <laughs> just oh. something like that. Yeah. Just a good Wes, I, I love it. That when was he, great. I love, it, uh, this? I love it when he bumps into the he bumps into the uh, the girl that's with the path of the children or whatever, and, and yeah. like at the party, and he's like, oh, tell me some idea or whatever, and it's like, yep. this is funny, man. Uh, he yeah. also he had an English accent in my head actually. Now that I'm saying about it, and I I don't <laughs> yeah. think I had gotten to Axel yet when I stopped listening to the audiobook. Yeah. So that's weird that happened naturally. Yeah. His name is. <laughs> <laughs> Axel Greylark. And and also, again, 
<clears throat> subtle plug for that interview. Azrata goes over how she named him, how she fight, how she came up with the mm-hmm. name, and how that all worked out. So, go check that yeah. out. Can I say something surprising, maybe to you all, based on how you kind of describe this, Eric? I got less of a two-way romantic feel between Gela and Axel than maybe you guys did. I I didn't really necessarily feel that Gela felt strongly in a romantic way towards him. It felt mm-hmm. more so to me like she was she just saw someone who could be better than they were and was yeah. trying to bring that out him. of him. Yeah, that yeah. kind of attitude. <laughs> I do think <laughs> Axel felt some sort of romantic thing towards her. I think the Maybe. end scene, the epilogue yeah. with him in, yeah. in prison definitely drove that point about home. Her. But I don't know. I didn't necessarily get that from Gela. Maybe it – I don't know. Why is Axel even that interested in Gela? They, I, I don't know. Is it the mommy I'll actually, issue? Is I'll actually it second that. I'll second that yeah. um, because like I didn't even comment on the romance stuff. I didn't necessarily feel a super strong – romantic connection between them either i would go as far to say actually charles i didn't even feel it at the end in the in the prison Ooh, i felt sure. like i feel like axel is a is a is a man who does not have an understanding of what a healthy relationship is like period right Correct. and yeah. so so like <laughs> he agree. doesn't he doesn't know what is romance <laughs> and if you want to get really philosophical and deep about it what even is romance is it sexual attraction is it emotional attachment what is it like it's kind of a heavy concept yes. that is yeah. yes right it's kind of a heavy it's when concept the chemicals is... in your brain fire in such a way that a partner seems attractive to you and you won't kill them in the night that's romance something that's along it. those lines yeah so like uh, maybe axel does feel romance and he doesn't understand that that's what it is or maybe joe feels the same way because that's a very interesting concept i yeah. think is a, a jedi who is for is forbidden to you know to have a romantic partner and a character who's not emotionally capable of having a romantic partner. yeah that is a very interesting yeah. combination mm. that i would maybe love to see explained a little bit more in depth maybe just a whole book about that maybe in cataclysm in where he's on the maybe. cover um i think he might have helped her you know helped her like make that decision of being a way seeker yeah. she's just, just gonna like, ask that. she had these feelings and stuff mm-hmm. so um she probably thought you know i mean there are these there's people, there are emotions, there are experiences that I have never even set foot upon yet, but there will be, and this is just an inkling of what yeah. ha- what I see in the world, and there's got to be more out there. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And, and I do love the, the way that... relationship <clears throat> that I enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Ziri and Fantu get the, like, we're going to start a range, we're forced into this, it shouldn't work, our families hate each other, we end in a badass wedding where I'm in the air, you're on the ground, we have a great kiss, and then we fight battles and victory and all. Like, that's how your marriage starts. Pretty dope. And then you have, like, <laughs> should we? Do we not? I don't know. But I do think you guys are – you guys nailed it, actually. I love the way you, you framed it. Gela and Axel, they both change how the other person sees the universe. Yeah. Because I think Axel starts the book as kind of the playboy. doesn't really care what happens to him. Maybe he'll keep working with the mother – whatever it's kind of fun who 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 cares and then he ends it by burning the note and being like i'm not part of that that's not what i'm doing and gela is like the order the order the order i'm a great jedi i gotta learn this i gotta learn this i gotta learn this and be a good jedi and she ends it with being like i don't know enough i just gotta go i gotta go learn yeah. and i and, and what a great i i think I, I speak for myself but i think i speak for a lot of folks that if you've ever had a breakup with somebody for instance that's kind of the best ending is that you both change each other to want to be better and learn more about yourself and the world. And I feel like that's what this book is, is like, I don't belong with you, maybe. Yeah. 
I can see but you that. make me want to mm-hmm. learn more about the world. It's a good way to put yeah. it. I like that. I especially like yeah. especially yeah. like their moment at the near the end on the tower or whatever. It was an especially powerful moment. I feel mm-hmm. like, although yeah. I I maybe feel like is a little bit out of place, which I would like to talk about. A little Let's bit. jump right into that. Go for it. I want to talk about Axel Greylark and his associating with the path of the open hand because I, I personally that, felt like that was. Not very true to his character up to that point. Yeah, let's go for it. A little bit out of left field and so on. So, you know, I would... uh, Axel Greylark is almost literally described as chaotic good in this book, which is very interesting because people have started to... Like, everybody knows what that is now. I mean, they're (laughs) D&D terminology to uh, figure out your morality alignment, right? We're seeing this a lot in culture in the last two years for some reason. Like, this has been around since D&D was created, but like... Like, people have been talking about it lately. I see TikToks that are themed about this now, which is very interesting, of, like, chaotic good or chaotic evil or neutral <laughs> good or whatever. And, I mean, I think um, I think Axel is chaotic good. You know, he's like Han Solo. He wants to be – he wants to think he's the bad guy, but he's actually the good guy. And could you see Han Solo getting all mixed up in a cult and genuinely, like, believing in it and finding that? Yes, in Paradise uh, Snare, but no, I'm just playing <laughs> – <laughs> he doesn't though, right? Like no, he, no, he, yeah. the whole time in Paradise Snare, he's like, no. "What the hell is going on with all these weirdos?" Like the no. whole time, right? Yeah. Isn't that how Axel no. Greylark would be in that situation? Axel was born rich, and I think that's the difference. Is that I think, and this is not like, do I have a little bit of like eat the rich, burn the world down? Sure, but <laughs> aside from that, Eric, I think, no, just a little Surely. bit, only slightly, and until I make more money, then I'll be like, there are people too. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but for for Axel, I, I think that his introduction does seem like I'm a little bored. I'll have a good time because my mom can get me out of anything, which she does. Even in this right. book, yeah. he literally is trying to get blitzed out of his mind and gamble away his fortune. And then his <laughs> yeah. mom literally gets him out of jail. And he's like, right. Ugh, I hate this. And he's a trust fund kid. doesn't matter. And I think that's what's so fascinating about his thing with the with the path of the open hand is like, okay, I'll be a smuggler for a while. I'll, I'll have my smuggler phase. I feel like he thinks it's like, oh, I went blonde for a year. I feel like that's how he treats it. He's <laughs> like, oh, I'll be a smuggler. That's a like, good for point. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen, he, but but a religious phase though, like I can buy the whole smuggler. Thing, oh, I don't think he but, believes in the religion. I think he's just doing it for a laugh. And he can't get out. But, but it's implied that he did for he, a time. It's implied. He said yeah, he yeah, yeah. It's implied. He ever muttered the words like the force will be free. I think mm. is what it says. Yeah, yeah. There was a whole thing yeah. about about how he used to be a child or, or but, but beyond or whatever. But and, beyond oh, your yeah. point too, Corey. I think, at, yeah, even right. at the, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. Even at the end, I yeah. have a hard time reconciling his actions because yeah. Like, let's, let's talk about let's pull he, that in too because I'm a little confused about that as well. Right. So he takes the scorpion sting purposely for Fantu. For his buddy, right? he protects yep. him, and then like 20 pages later or something, he destroys the shield that that same friend is standing on the edge of the ocean being held back by the shield to <laughs> yeah. but to destroy poison that the mother that fan wanted. too was going to just dis- yeah that he and, was going to destroy himself yeah like, and, and there were a lot of that. ways that poison could have been destroyed it it did not make sense to me at all and i get mm-hmm. either gonna be a lot of people out there listening to this right now screaming that was the point he's not supposed to make sense he does whatever he feels in the moment yeah. he's, but it's he, got to the make mother's chaos some yeah kind of sense yeah and it didn't track for me because was like, he was changing, he gonna kill changing, that whole changing, town though 
Was he gonna like? Was he gonna kill the whole town, the whole capital yeah, city? That's just how it genocide the whole freaking to, to, to destroy like three test tubes with the poison. I mean, shit. Yeah. I mean, you could just walk out on the pier and pour it in the ocean, and dilution is yeah. gonna solve that problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it might kill a couple of fish right there, but like, yeah. Here's where I think I go as far as as far as that specifically goes, because this is an interesting one with Axel specifically. Because he's always been able to get out of anything, none of his actions have really ever had consequences. And I think at the end, when Gela is like, this is what's happening. You're bringing this whole place down. Then he has the change of heart. It's like, oh my god. Like, okay, I don't want to do this, but it's too late. I already did it. I tr- and, and this may not be a strong narrative decision, but it's kind of what I think mm-hmm. I saw personally through Axel. is like, I didn't, literally didn't think this through. Which is a which is well, not he had a to great think of narrative. Pretty damn well though, because he yeah. blew up a freaking. Didn't well, he like? Set, he had to set the bomb. Yeah, I mean, but to what's well going to happen? Out, right. I think he's Three like from places. He like climbed Actual, up there and like yeah. tied all the fuses together. He wired yeah. them up. I mean, he was thinking oh, yeah. about something. What you think he was listening to a podcast? What he was doing? What was he well, doing? I, I mean, I think that he was like, this will make a point, and I think it's not like, <laughs> oh, this will actually kill my friends. And I think that's the difference is that Axel has never had done anything that's actually affected people that he loves and affected anything that he knows. I mean, because he hasn't loved anyone. Yeah, That's he's it. not capable of love. I would, I would give, make the counter argument that he makes plenty of tactical decisions earlier in the in the story, though. Like, you know, he makes oh, a big lie absolutely. about, uh, you know, that was really clever, by the way. The <laughs> lie about the the guy that they came across and stuff that was pretty, oh pretty yeah, cool. Uh, when he was yeah, and he's, and, he's, and he's killing people. Like he he's a messed up dude, and, and I will, I think I'll, I think I I will agree overall that the ending did mm-hmm. also confuse me a bit. I've kind of tried to figure out how I want to work it, and I'm very thankful. That he is on the cover of Cataclysm in the next book. Yeah, because, we're Again, in the larger the thing, I want to know great. what he does. I want to yeah. know mm-hmm. what he thinks about this event. Because yeah, I think that I that would be that fascinating. Yeah, I don't know. Those pieces are quitting quite put together. I'm interested to see what more we get from, from him as a character. Um, although, like, I, did, I will say that that was quite the plot twist uh, when... We were doing. How did we find God. out? Then the mother was in a. Yeah, she like sent a, a message to him or something. Him or something. <laughs> yeah, I like was chaos. shocked, man. It was creepy yeah. as shit. I was shocked. Yeah, I was too. I, I don't know. I'll say. I'll say the probably the most. The hey, I'm moving this week. My life is chaotic. I'll say it. Uh, I think I kind of like the the idea of the mother more in this book than her own book, Path of Deceit. I yeah, liked I her a lot I, here yeah, as, as, her as a as a more sidious type figure on the. She was series. yes. Yeah. Yeah, I like yeah. it. It talked about uh, there was a moment where it talks about her like raking her fingernails on the the metal yeah. seats of the gaze electric. Oh, and I was right. like, this chick is Woo. evil. I like it. Yeah, yeah. This, this is kind of what I'm talking about with like this big picture stuff that I want more of. Is like, you know, it, it, I'm, not, I'm not getting the puppet master feelings enough. Yeah. Yet, you know, I'm ready. Yeah, to, I'm ready she to, wasn't. She didn't have a lot of a lot of. Uh, Parts in here. Either. Yeah, this is not her. Book. I feel like, I feel like if they wanted to introduce her, that would be a, a. It would be good for this to be the first book that came out, and then Path of Deceit second, based on just how much sure. uh, the Path of the Open Hand and the Mother and everything was involved. Um, but I mean, they did it differently. I mean, I, I think uh, I think Tom um, in Discord was saying he can you can basically read these either way. I saw that. Yeah, um, that today. Yeah. I think, yeah. Actually. yeah, yeah, and I think that's a so, great point. Doesn't matter which order you read, and just as long as you read them. Yeah, because clearly um, we have the the weird benefit slash handicap of knowing that Markian Rowe, the eventual leader of the Nile, who we can 
easily see they're not hiding it come from the path of the open hand like that is the does the lineage so the mother clearly has to give way to marta or or her family or at some point right so i i find it interesting to see that what the mother tries to do um like yeah she has we have the gaze electric axel will help building it we're trying to get poison we're trying to do a galactic something so at a certain point the rose have to then like overtake her which purely based on cover art looks to be what's happening in um in in uh Kevin's book, right? Um so I want to ask um let I want to talk about the Jedi here for a second. Cuz we again, I I made this point in my review. I made this point earlier in our conversation. It is odd that Convergence has a picture of Gela on the cover holding lightsabers. Because why this I believe is a great moment for like, okay, Jedi on the cover of a Star Wars book, High Republic. Yes, buy it. I get it. Uh, pub- like, there's publicity involved in cover art. That's fine, mm-hmm. and it looks great. And I love seeing Gela. This is not really a moment or a book about Jedi. Jedi, I think, in this book more so than any other book that I've read with Jedi. You know, outside of the Crispin trilogy with Solo and Smuggers Only, this is a very not Jedi book. And Gela very much observes what's going on. She's a bystander. She mm-hmm. learns about the Jedi through Axel, like his distaste of them. He learns a lot about that. And like you said earlier, Wes, this is why she kind of maybe becomes a way seeker. Um, Wes, I actually want to ask you, did, did you find that her lack, not lack of agency, but I guess almost lack of involvement in the major story points, what, what, what did that do for you? Because do you think all of that led to her becoming a way seeker and deciding to keep being on the fringes? Like, we haven't really seen this before, have we? Um, no, see, it, it made me think, yeah, that she was kind of... I don't want to say that she hasn't been involved in anything. She's been involved with, like, other conflicts and stuff before this. Yeah, she had that um, fa- the really failed know. mission. Right. Yeah, the, the failed mission that really kind of tore her up and then yep. they keep, like... And then her... the. Padawan that was there that kept like poking her and oh, pushing right. the buttons yeah. on her. She's right. What was that like? What was that um, dude? Shut up! I'm very yeah. traumatized. <laughs> but it's all. But with with Gela and the other Jedi that were there, it's almost like that is what they should be doing. Yeah, like that's what the Jedi should be. They should be overseeing. They should be watching peacekeepers, if you will. Oh, um, funny they that. Shouldn't be getting involved. Funny that. Hmm. <laughs> They shouldn't be getting involved, and that's kind of. I'm glad that they like they highlighted that that they weren't getting involved. They said they were neutral, and they said they were there to help, like coordinate this peace um, between the two worlds. So, um, but I think, I think the conflict and the war that um, that Gela was seeing, like through her own eyes, being down there and seeing all that, and also with uh, with Axel, kind of made her think, like, why is this happening, and do I, can I? steer away from the Jedi and what I have been brought up and taught my entire life, is there something else that can help these people yeah. other than just standing idly by and helping only when we're allowed to help? Yeah. And I think, like, that little bit of Jedi philosophy is, is fascinating and, and easily one that I think we, as we've done this podcast for the last three or four years, like, we've seen really be integrated in Star Wars media as a whole. Like, should the Jedi be helping more? Should they be helping less? What should they be doing? Like, um, I, I'll put Corey Charles as well. Like, what do you guys think of the idea of the Jedi in this book? Gela mainly, of course, but but also, I mean, I mean, we got Master Creighton's son who will be in the Battle of Jeddah. 
Like we we saw some high level Jedi here as well that just kind of stayed on the ship and let stuff happen. Yeah. Like very passive. Not necessarily, I would agree that um, the story is not necessarily a jealous story. Like, um, like it felt a little bit like we were supposed to go on this really big journey with her to become a way seeker. And I, I'm still sort of, I feel a little confused about what the major, what her, what her character development was that what occurred to, to get her to become a way seeker. Exactly. What was the lesson that she learned? I'm not really sure. It said that she was like, she talked about how she was listening to the force at the end and it had a song or something of that nature. But like, mm-hmm. it wasn't super clear to me why she became a waste, excuse me, why she became a way seeker sure. a little bit. Um, well, Axel is put, put, very hot. I, I mean, I see We've that. seen she's the cover. She just has to. She just has to get away for a while. You know, that's it. That's all I gotta go. I'll be fine. Yeah, you know, maybe if I can put some distance between myself and Axel, maybe I can make these feelings go away. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, putting her on the cover is an interesting choice because I don't think it was necessarily her her story. If anybody would have could have been on the cover, I think it could have been the 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 pair of Fantu Oh yeah, Siri and Fantu ha- but have like yeah, but have been... like a 1980s like romance cover like Fantu with like a shirt all the way unbuttoned like yeah, reaching for go. the water and Siri like uh, like that's that's Fabio. the book. Man, I like that. That's fantastic. <laughs> like, come on, variant covers. Yeah. <laughs> I th- I'm starting to think though that like maybe the the ideal Jedi is a way seeker. Maybe they should all be seeking I their agree. way. I you agree. Know? Orla Jereni is nominated for Character of the Year, folks. If you want to go to utini.com slash 2022 utinis. Yeah. And there was but, a great yeah, quote from right? a, a random character who was literally on one page of this book, but it was probably my favorite quote of the whole book. She said something, I think it was to Gela. Uh, she said, fighting for peace is like going to the desert for rain. You'll be waiting forever. And I was just like, holy smokes. I remember smokes. that. And then that character like walked yeah, away. there's a lot of great like, quotes here. Like, like Malo or someone was like, go home. Yeah. And then that character went home. <laughs> like, yeah. It, it is a, go on. Get out of here. You're not just in a one. Just go. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, a really, it's a really fascinating book as far as like, I, I think at the end of the day, we will see what this says about the High Republic as a whole. We'll see what it adds to canon. But it has a lot of very fascinating and unique dialogue about war about love and i i i i'm interested to see honestly as our community everyone watching listening i want to know what you guys think of this book as far as what it did for you because did you meet it where it is did it really kind of shift you here were you distracted by the fact that it was a little separate like (laughs) these conversations i think more than any other roundtable we've really had are like really fascinating points because they all make sense they all are valid but I think this, more than any book we've read possibly in 2022, everyone reading it, depending on where you are in your life, will read yeah. a different book. And I think that's fascinating. Mm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, I think. I mean, the, the, the High Republic books are such a spectrum of telling a major story or being a, a very standalone-ish project. <laughs> and like, uh, it, I, think these, I think the High Republic books work when they kind of sit nicely in one of those camps, like kind of yep. separately. Like, I don't know that we've really seen maybe any of the books do an amazing job. Maybe Light of the Jedi, perhaps. Maybe Fallen Star, yeah. too, of, yeah, like, yeah. kind of really putting all the pieces together. Like, it's really... I, I think they all just have a really... A lot of work to do. The, all the books have a lot of work to do. They have to move the plot along, and they have to tell their own story, and it, it almost is a lot of pressure, I think, to, yeah. to get the right story out. So, you know, it's... um I'm here for the ride. I'm here for the experience and that sort of thing, and, um, you know, I hope my sort of... 
frustration is not the right word. My my feelings about not really knowing where to go. You know, the uh, <laughs> the John Travolta meme. He's just like, around, <laughs> like that's kind of how I feel a little bit reading some of the books of like, what am I supposed to go? What's, what am I supposed to be doing? What is the takeaway that I'm supposed to be getting that I'm not getting mm-hmm. from these characters in this story and the major plot line and that sort of thing? So we're going to get Corey yeah. at the end of Catalyst with like the Charlie Day meme with like the poster board and the string being like, it all makes sense. Yeah, exactly. I get it. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> and I think I think we're all going to have that moment somewhere during this phase. Yeah. I'm pretty sure where it's going to put together the mother and Martian Rowe and yep. all of the origin story. We're going to figure yep. out what 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 Martian Rowe's. Uh, Who is Martian Rowe? Markian oh, Rose, uh, Marky like, Rose, yeah, yeah, Marky Mark. Different. You know, he had a he had a rap uh, album <laughs> like in the nineties or something. Oh, uh, it was he, good. Yeah, <laughs> feel it, feel it. <laughs> oh, Wes, that totally took me out. Oh man, I think it's gonna happen in this phase. I hope it does. If if yeah. we don't learn a damn thing about what the Rose are up to in this phase. I don't know if I can take it anymore, guys. <laughs> well, it's like 30 books in, and we still have no idea what the hell this story is. We'll find like, out. We'll see. I hope not. Hey, we, we have the nameless on the cover of Kevin's book, so we'll see how that yep. comes. But I'll tell you what, folks, before we kind of wrap up here, um, it wouldn't be a proper roundtable without the glorious Charles, Dr. Charles Hankel. I'm so, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I almost used your civilian name. Uh, the glorious Dr. Charles Hankel. Going through the Easter eggs, uh, we had a lot of this book. Um, Again, we're, we're going to one part only round table, so we're going a little long, but I'm glad we got to get all our points out. Charles, tell us, what did we find in this book? So we got a lot of them, baby. Yeah, lots of Easter eggs, lots of connective tissue, lots of random thoughts in here too. But to start off, Iram and Irino were Easter eggs in and of themselves, right? For phase sure. one of the High Republic first, we we got to see when Comac Vitus and Orla Drenny are dispatched with their masters, to save the kidnapped leaders of those planets. Uh, we know, all know what happened there, assuming we read Phase 1. Later, though, Irem is the site of the Starlight Beacon's crash. Like, that is Wait, where really? the beacon went down. And I didn't even remember that How until... How did I miss... <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, I legitimately didn't remember that. So, it is That's in Irem? the oceans of Irem as we speak. So... Oh, Yeah. Wow. Okay. Maybe the that. fact that it's there. All right, hold on, guys. Let's record the whole show over again. Okay. Yeah. So, Iram. <laughs> maybe the fact that it's there is why this story is important to begin wow. with. We'll, yeah. we'll see. But, anyways, on Great. page three, Tip Yep is mentioned. That's Endorian Chicken for those of you following along at home. And that was sold yep. in the market in, uh, I believe that was in Irino. On page 15, Dank Ferrick is muttered by Watch an Aroni pilot. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the new Star Wars curses created for the pilot episode of The Mandalorian. Uh, really quick, one one small point I, want, I wanted to talk about because the whole Aram and Arano thing yeah, that yeah. you brought up. Like, I really like the concept of those two planets. That's really, really oh, cool. Yeah. They're really close oh, together yeah. and that sort of stuff. I will say I had no idea what freaking planet we were on the whole book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, take no I'm right there with you. <laughs> I got to say, Charles, one of the things, taking notes for roundtable plot points helped a ton. Very helpful. I literally Arano, desert, Irem, water. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. I knew one was so, desert, one yep. was water. No idea which switch. <laughs> Dude, I got to tell you, uh, the round ta- next roundtable you do, you're going to know so much. I would be <laughs> really so useless. <laughs> I would have been so useless, useless as a Jedi negotiator. We're like, Aram, that's the that's the desert one, right? Everybody, which one is that? Is that the I'd desert like, one? Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. This guy. <laughs> you know, I, was, I know how to solve all your peace problems. You take the water from the water one, and you give it to the desert one. 
problem solved, everybody. Like, <laughs> can we use the hyperspace? The water one get. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, sorry. To All right. No, I, I agree Great point. with you. I had trouble too. On page seventeen, the aerial walk is mentioned as being performed by a priestess of the Singing Mountain, and the Singing Mountain clan is actually a group of Dathomirian witches that rivaled the Night Sisters. There were rivals with them. Though it was originally Ooh. created for Legends, where it first appeared in the courtship of Princess Leia, it was recently brought to canon in the short story Bug in the Clone Wars oh, Stories yeah. of Light and Dark. Yeah, nice. so the Singing Mountain Clan was was brought up. Interesting. That's a I can't do what you did. That's great. That's a great man. pool, man. It, mm. it was a, it was a nice nice Easter egg early on too. Yeah. Now on page nineteen, it's revealed that Gela Natai's botched mission occurred on the planet Orvax, and that's a planet that has only been mentioned one other time in canon in the Force Awakens beginner game. And uh, wow. what the hell is that? It, exactly. <laughs> I've never heard of it. And it's the same planet as Orvax Four in Legends, which was uh, it, it had an appearance basically in the Dark Times comic series, and it was a slave trade world. So we're bringing Orvax back, apparently. All right. Um, what is the game? Are we just going to blow right past that? What the hell is that? I don't that? know. The dude, beginner game? The Force the beginner game. Uh, is it a board game? It might be. Board games are considered canon? Is that how this works? Technically, technically, they even had to change all the like apps and stuff. They had to canonize some of the apps. Oh, it, after it, no, it's a, it's a role-playing game. So, yeah, it's like a and d book for Force Awakens specifically. There oh, it this is. thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is part yeah, of the regular Star Wars okay, RPG. Great. I forgot about this. I, I forgot that they made this. Orvax. Yeah, interesting. Orbex. Clever. Um, on page 21, we get this quote. As a Padawan, Gela had done everything she was told. She leapt off a cliff and trusted the Force to stop her fall, yada, yada, yada. But just like, <laughs> just like Loden taught Bell, this must have been actually a pretty common practice. <laughs> yeah, we're like, we didn't think that like Loden's form of teaching was cruel and hor- horrific and like, so now everybody, everybody does it. Amazing. Everyone's into it. <laughs> On page 43, Axel refers to people who have been thrown out of a gambling establishment as moof milkers. So there's another tie to Han Solo since that was his insult from The Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. Talking about some guy put a compressor on the ignition line. On page 55. (laughs) Bypass the compressor. (laughs) On page 55, (laughs) another quote. He crouched and touched the layer of sediment, rubbed it between his fingers, then brought it to his nose. There was no odor, but he tasted salt. I feel like that's got to be a reference to Gareth Edwards in The Last oh, yeah. Jedi, right? Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. exact same thing. Salt. Salt. <laughs> On page 57, Sump is mentioned, and that's the homeworld of the Nucknog series. The most famous and perhaps ugliest Nucknog has to be the pod racer Ark Roos, a.k.a. Bumpy. Do you guys remember Bumpy? It's absolutely not. Oh, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Google. Yeah. Google oh, yeah. Art Roos. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Google I went him, guys. Out, I told Google you guys about this, but I'll say this on the show. I went on a huge tangent <laughs> for like three hours, like two weeks ago, to try to make Pod Racer work with my sim rig, and I could not make Didn't it happen. Work. I it's tried so, sad. so hard, dude. I could not make it recognize the controller. It's a problem with the game. It doesn't recognize any controllers because it's, it's so a board. Sad. But that is a bummer. <laughs> sad day. So, There's the Art Roos. <laughs> there he is. That's that? like a stupid face. Like a, it's like a dinosaur. <laughs> that, is a, that is an ugly dude. Is he on he screen? Very ugly. He is on screen, but I think you only yeah. saw oh, him yeah. from kind of further back. Oh my! And God. he doesn't look what as bad as that drawing. That is atrocious. Click that animated picture on the far right. Was that him? This one here, very far right, second row. 
That one. What the hell is that? Is yep. that? <laughs> this is an ugly. This is an we ugly did it, dude, guys. Man. We did it, we Joe. Did it. Ugliest character in Star Wars. <laughs> so, suddenly, it's, it's really astounding. Sometimes you just discover Oof. aliens and my Oof. God. Yeah, that one's tough. Oh, Lord. That one's tough. <laughs> no. Well, on this same page, the planet Sheraden is mentioned, and that's the same planet where Jedi Master Skier takes Keeve Trennis for her Jedi trials. So oh, red. High Republic red. reference. It sounds like here. a Japanese word. Yeah. Yeah, sure it is. Like shuriken. Yeah. There it is. On the same page, Marokia is mentioned, which is a planet that only appeared in one other canon novel, which was Force Collector, which is why I had never heard of it. <laughs> Force Collector. I remember it. Nope. Thank you, Wes. <laughs> the only, only books that you read right on time. We didn't even talk about it, Wes. We just pretended like it didn't happen. <laughs> on page six. Yeah, go, go back and listen to the Force Collector rock table, and, everybody. Or don't. I... I will hold a grudge of that for the rest of my life. <laughs> by the way. I don't remember what Did happened. It, just, it, it came place? and it went, and we just no. didn't talk about it. I don't remember. We what all happened. agreed it just wasn't our favorite, and we moved on. Yeah, that's funny. On page sixty-one, <laughs> psychometry is mentioned by name, and that's Quinlan Voss's force ability, where he touches something and and can see oh, yeah. a memory associated with that thing. Right. That's a, that's a cool force power. Page eighty-three, we got one of the really weird deep pulls, I think, from. Uh, from this book, a Luar clamp is mentioned, which is a specific repair tool used to fix X-Wings. And it's only been mentioned in one other book. That was Claudia Gray's Lost Stars, in which oh, hey. Thane's colleague, Kendi, says she'll borrow the tool from Yendor. A Luar Oh, I love Yendor. Yeah. Yendor was great. On page 86, there's a Kowakian monkey lizard fighting ring. So that's a thing now. We eat them and we watch them fight. Lose all my credits <laughs> on that. On page 87, we got this quote. A drunk Toydarian who'd been hauled in at dawn for urinating on passing speeders <laughs> on level 1392 heckled them from the corner. That was... That's a, dangerous, that uh, high up. I'm a Toydarian! That was a great pool. Yeah. I saw some crazy statistic that if you pee off of like the Empire State Building, that it has to fall such distance that it becomes like air by the time it gets to the bottom. So you can't actually pee oh, on somebody from top that of the building. So no harm, no foul. Exactly. For I thought that's you were going to say it would just blow back. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it had it, it would hit critical velocity like a bullet and like kill somebody. <laughs> Great, awesome. Uh, Go for it, it, everybody. On that note, that's what happens um, in space? On page ninety-one, the Mighty Helix experience is mentioned, which is a band, and so it sounds like they're probably a chart topper right there with neurotransmitter affection from Queen Shadow. Nice. Oh, good, good tour, good tour. Saw them in ninety-eight. On page 93, Rena University is mentioned, which is the same university that Count Dooku gave a series of lectures entitled Words of Truth, as shown in the Star Wars propaganda book. Wow! Yeah. What is the Star I Wars own propaganda that. book? I own it. It's, really it's a great. book just I don't have it propaganda me, posters, but... right? Yeah, and then, like, it's written, I about that. It's written like, as a historical text, as, as if you were looking at propaganda from the Empire Times. Interesting. Yeah, it's cool. fascinating. You, you'd actually love it. Probably. <laughs> On page 101, Hanali flowers are mentioned, which Zerata Cordova previously created for her other Star Wars novel, A Crash of Fate. That Gotta flower was specifically smuggled by Izzy, who is one of the main characters in that book for one of her professors. Awesome. On page 103, here's a quote for you. She hadn't seen Chancellor Malo so nervous since the day of his new term. That morning, she'd found traces of ink on his sheets, which meant he'd likely had <laughs> nightmares. Uh, nightmares? Sure. 
Steady, steady. Yeah, I found that uh, kind of yeah, odd. You made me ing. You made me ing. Creeped me out as well, man. I was like, did he like pee the bed? Because <laughs> he's the chancellor, be. guys. Yeah, he can do what he wants. <laughs> On page one hundred three, uh, ARK four says bright suns. And it says that it was a greeting she'd learned on one of the last planets they'd visited. So they were obviously on Batu recently. That was a good yeah. One. On page 106, the same protocol droid says, don't thank me, thank the maker. Which, of course, coming from a protocol droid, that's a nod to C-3PO. As it happens. <laughs> on page uh, one f- small thing about the droid we noticed that we talked about in Slack, actually, a while yeah. back when I came across that, is uh, we got this strange occurrence of back-to-back. Uh, we, ha- we got a... Like a third person look at the droid, and oh, we had yeah. a first person look at the droid, mm-hmm. and uh, I got to see the like the writing terminology in real time because in the third person, is that what it would be? Is the third person? I think so. In the third person, like it's like a human seeing the droid, and it, it spells out like the words like Arc Four or something like that. Like yeah, he's like, doing the Star Wars books, mm-hmm. but when it's in the first person, the droid refers to himself as AR K Four. Like it's actually yeah. spelled out like yeah. that, which it's was. Rad. Really interesting. I've never actually seen that on pages before, and like I've always kind of wondered, like, what the hell was the writing rule for this? Because like, that's like a, it's a, it's 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 always been kind of a dumb pet peeve of mine. It's so stupid. That's probably. <laughs> I think I brought this up on our on our worst Star Wars takes episode that we did a long time ago. Oh it's yeah! Like, wow. Like, it's been a while. I yeah. I really hate that for some reason. Every single time I see the words like like written out like C three P L like S E E T H R E P L or whatever. I hate it. I hate seeing it written out like that because it looks stupid. And yeah, uh, I was like, why do they do that? But please stop. <laughs> I thought it was just like an author choice or something. No, it looks like it's like a genuine writing rule for like mm-hmm. the. Star Wars authors. Like, if a droid is yep. referring yeah. to themselves in the first person, then they are AR K4, not yep. ARC 4. ARC 4. Which is clever. Very interesting to see that. That was cool. <laughs> I would yeah. never caught that, yeah. but yeah, that, that's yeah. pretty interesting. So good. Uh, on page 112, the Guardians of the Wills are mentioned. Yep. On page mm-hmm. 114, the Zerka Corporation, aka Zerka Arms, is yeah, mentioned. Yeah, baby. Oh, man. And this manufacturer of arms is a big player in Legends, best known for its inclusion in the Knights of the Old Republic video games. But it recently right. has been making a comeback in canon, first in Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray, followed by Battlefront 2, Squadrons, Brotherhood. This, though, was the earliest canonical appearance of Zerka Corp, which is interesting because it's rumored in-universe to be older than the Republic itself. That's true. So far. That's Ooh, true. That. Awesome. I'm excited for that. I love throwbacks to um, original KOTOR games. I really wish they would essentially make the Mandalorian Wars <laughs> canon. <laughs> because it's it's like, it's kind of, we are so close to being there, guys. It's, it's got to happen. With Mandalorian and stuff and the way they're talking <laughs> about fighting the old Jedi and the way we're talking about, like, the dark savers origins and things like that. Like, mm-hmm. come on, man, just make the Mandalorian Wars canon because that's We're like so the coolest close. stories ever. Yeah. Revan so and good. Malik and all that, man. I would love to at least make the characters canon. You know? Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Um, on page one fifty three, Bardada is mentioned, which is a planet, as in yep. the Blade of Bardada. That comic's Volta. coming soon. Very That'll soon. On page 157, Krakanas, which are creatures, were mentioned, and they're giant aquatic carnivores from Mon Cala, and Mon Calamari were sometimes fed to them as punishment. So wow, that's fun. That's, that's dark. Jesus. I, I was thinking of that shark guy. What's his? Krakadon or something? Oh, oh yeah. He's from Best Apprentice, right? I, I hated that guy. He was so weird. He was yeah. rough. I was. 
The animation. Not the one from the Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah. The only shark, the only shark character we've ever literally seen in any Star Wars. And he was like, literally a shark head and fins with regular feet. He was, he was Victor Crumb going to save Hermione Granger from the lake. Oh God! Yeah, that's what he is. That was weird too. On page 163, a hive of Kieg on Lan Burrell was mentioned. And this was the weirdest Deep Legends pull from an article in Star Wars Adventure Journal from 1994 when there was one single article entitled Lan Burrell by Paul Sudlow that detailed this entire planet. And it included discussion of the Kieg, which were an insectoid species that lived in hives. Holy God. Crap! What the hell? How wow. did you think it's a yeah. Maybe it's a coincidence. How awesome. did they? How did they find this? <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, I don't know. Excellent. I don't know. Someone's out there doing their job. On page one sixty four, the Kyber Arch is mentioned, which of course is an arch made of Kyber crystals of fallen Jedi in one of the meditation chambers in the time of the High Republic. And it was previously popularized in Phase 1 when Wreath Silas is given a riddle by his master, Joramali, about why you can't cross the Kyber Arch by yourself. Mm-hmm. On page that's 174, a, one. a Troig is mentioned, and that's the same two-headed species as our favorite pod racing announcer, Fodes and Bede. Oh, yeah! Excellent! On page 181, Jogan Fruit, perhaps the most famous fruit in all of Star Wars, is mm-hmm. mentioned. First created for the Clone Wars TV show in season one episode, Bombad Jedi. Very spiky. On page 200, <laughs> Tall, which is another planet, is mentioned, which is a great callback to the Kenobi Disney Plus series, right? Now, if anyone asks, oh, yeah. we're farmers from Tall, and you're my daughter. Yes! yes. We got there. Wow, that's a great one. On page 210, Beskar is mentioned. Obvious shout-out to Mando. Mm-hmm. On page 236, the Tintenna species is mentioned. Another weird, weird specific Legends pool. Tintenna, also known as the Tintin Dwarves, were approximately one meter tall sure. rat-like creatures. And one of them, named Squeak, was in the cantina on the day Obi-Wan hired Han Solo and Chewbacca. <laughs> you have one meter tall rat-like creatures out in Matagorda. <laughs> They exist. <laughs> Wes has probably killed them. Jesus those things, Christ. Man. Is this the uh, is this the squeaky thing that's in the in the canteen? He like no, stands that, up and he's holding. That's, oh, a, no. Shodra oh, that's a Shodra fan. That's a Shodra fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought, okay, yeah. that's what I, I can't remember the, the species oh, name. And and she was drunk yeah. when she was doing that. By the way, yeah, she was yeah. getting like her tenth oh, drink. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah, right. right. This man, Shodra fan, were in Coach War Two. There's a couple like main characters, and they all. Like speak that squeaky language, Ugh. and there is no like they don't speak basic. So like, you you have like a character that you're having a lot of dialogue with, and he's just like squeaking at you the whole time. It's like, what is this game right yeah. now? It's like <laughs> it feels like uh, the holiday special with all the Wookiee speak, like genuinely. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> well, on uh, page two forty one, a hydro clamper is mentioned. That's a tool similar to a hydro spanner. And uh, interestingly enough, this was a tool that was first described in Kraken's Rebel Field Guide, which was a source book for West End Games in 1991. Wow. Well, then. On page, They're all in those reference books. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. On page 243, the planet Melita Dan, that's Melita slash Dan, is mentioned. And that's a cool Legends pool because it was another planet that dealt with centuries-long civil war. Not unlike Iron and Irano. And between... It, it was basically between the Melita and the 
and the Dan to the point that they couldn't even agree on what to name the planet. So everyone just called it by this slash name. And uh, it was a focus of the Jedi Apprentice series, actually. Obi-Wan Kenobi temporarily left the Jedi Order in Legends to help resolve that civil war. That's awesome. I I wondered about that. I remember coming across that, and I was like, what the hell is this? It's Melida slash Don? Dane? Dan, Don, I don't know. But yeah, it was... Dane, Don? No one knows. Anyways, page 245, Frick is mentioned, one of the few substances in the galaxy that's impervious to lightsabers. And it was previously mentioned in the middle of the High Republic Fair, there was something made of Frick that was on display there. Uh, But it is an original Legends concept. And in Legends, a container of Frick even survived the destruction of Alderaan. It was on the surface of Alderaan, and it made it through. This is what the Jedi say when you're... When they fighting freaking somebody. awesome got one yeah. like, they go exactly to cut the guy it. in half and the lightsaber bounces off their arm and they're like frick man <laughs> frick <laughs> that was it frick that's what happens how they name they're, they're, they're identifying say, it yeah that's right you're not allowed to say dank fair I like say that. frick that's right I like that. frick. what the frick man on page 246 Enya Keen in reference to her interrogation of Viceroy Farrell says he told me other secrets he'd been giving clearance codes to pirates <clears> in exchange for credits she said, then grimaced as she remembered, and also that he liked his toes. And then it gets <laughs> cut off, and like someone else says something, and I was like, yo, what was that? <laughs> like, actually, no. what was that? <clears throat> I don't know. That really I don't know. Me Is it feet are everywhere this feet? year? That really. Yeah, but other people's feet is what you're supposed to be into, not your own feet. Like, what the? Some people. It's nepotism. Hey, everybody's into something. <laughs> I already hated Narcissism. the Viceroy, and that made it way worse. Also, that why can't too. there be good Viceroys? Like, if you're a Viceroy, you're nope. straight up evil. You're awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolute power corrupts, absolutely. It's because if you, weren't a, if, you, if you were a good politician, you wouldn't have a title like Viceroy. <laughs> That's exactly it. True, true. Page 247, Axel says, Fantu and Ziri have them believing their union brought down the reins. We obviously cannot control the rain, right? And Fantu looked at Gela, who shook her head with amusement. Well, that's funny because wait a little while later in this exact initiative, and Elzar will bring down the rain in light of the Jedi. That's right. That's a good point. Perfect. Uh, Forgot about that. On page 262, puffer pigs are mentioned. Same ones from the Rebels TV series. (laughs) On that same page, uh, an Orlean star so cab stupid. is mentioned. You can't believe that happened. Yeah, <laughs> this, they got stuck in that corridor. They're too big. A few small moments in Rebels that I'm just like every once in a while. Head. You remember Sokka? Remember Sokka in la- Air, last oh, year? Yeah. He keeps smacking yep. his head. and He's got a big red spot on his head. You know, That's it. That's you now. That. Yeah. Well, 262 is a good page. An Orlean Star Cab was also mentioned, and that is a specific ship that was just pulled into canon in the pilot episode of the Andor Disney Plus series when Cyril Karn is monitoring oh the ships leaving Morlana yep. 1, and he conjectures one of them is an Orlean Star Cab. Wow. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, that's fantastic. How did that make it in? That's like the timing of that almost doesn't make sense. Holy smokes. Yeah. Is that a coincidence? So it's from Legends <clears throat> that's, initially. Yeah, they both got to pull it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way it's got to be. There's no way they talk to each other. That's just a wild coincidence. Yeah, Holy crap. Happened. That has to be a coincidence. Man, wow. That's, cool. that's really cool. On that same exact page, we learn that droid versus Gundark wrestling is a thing. Blurred rodeos are a thing. And they also talk about Ronto roasters. Mm. Perfect. On 264, guys, we almost made it through. But on page 264, <laughs> obligatory Tuka Cat reference. 
There's oh wait, one. yeah, that's true. Hold on, hold on. Breaking news: uh, Our buddy Tom Holler in the chat. No, it's not a coincidence. They did that on purpose. And or they did that on purpose. Wow. Thanks, Tom. Confirmation. Wow. That's how very. Do they, no way. How did they make that happen in time? That's yeah. That's I would assume it's a scripts. An email. Scripts way beforehand. An email. <laughs> Yeah, no shit. How do they talk to each other? (laughs) How could we get there? That's awesome. Uh, I feel like that's a great band name too. Orlean Star Cab. Oh my god. No, Orlean Star Cab for cutie. (laughs) (laughs) That's the band name. All right, on page 266, Palowick species. The Palowick species is mentioned. That's not one we hear too often, but that's Sice Noodle species. So that was cool. Oh, excellent. On page, Star of our times. Yeah. On page 300, two tipsy Gungans are mentioned, and there's not really a reference here. It's just a phrase I never thought I would hear. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine how annoying two drunk Gungans would be? Like, that's just... Well, now I can, based on this book. <laughs> that's a bar name. The Drunken Gungage. I love that. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Celebration pop-up. Like Make it happen. Yes. Uh all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump ahead to this next one. One of my favorites, probably, on page 323, uh, they're, they're talking, Ziri is talking to another pilot about the flight maneuver that she can maybe use to defeat Rev Farrell in their, you know, uh, enemy ships. And that she settles on using something called the Kestrel's Drop, or the Kestrel's Dive, excuse me. Um, interestingly, the Kestrel's Dive was also the name of Affy Hollow's parents' ship. From Into the Dark. They got destroyed no. when they tried to charge wow. up the engine or whatever on the hyperspace rings. That's awesome. Weird, right? Wow. Yeah, I've totally forgot about that. That's, it must have just... This is like, why we have these. This yeah. is why we, with my mind. Yeah. so great. Exactly. There's got to be a document somewhere, a giant document. It's just got all lots of little small things in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's called Wikipedia. It's called this <laughs> Google Drive. <laughs> An email. This actual thing that I'm reading out it's of right now. <laughs> On page 326, Gela, the Jedi, of course, says we don't believe in ghosts. And that's kind of ironic. You will. You will. And on page 327, Gela uses the saying, I'm one with the Force. The Force is with me. So we miss you, Chirrut. But that's it, guys. That's all the Easter eggs we got. Some teat pulls there. Some cool other ties to some High Republic stuff. But, uh, but yeah, another fun one. And that's all I got. So back to you, Eric. <clears throat> Absolutely. Well, well, that is uh, that'll do it for our our roundtable on the first adult novel, uh, Convergence of Phase Two. We'll of course be back with our next roundtable. I believe it's going to be the Battle of Jetta. Uh, we always cover the roundtables. We'll talk about that. Obviously, George Mann, one of our favorites, um, and these audio dramas always bring it really good. So look for that probably early February. But before we get on out of here, I do want to do one final plug. For the Utinis, go to utini.com slash 2022utinis. Get your votes in because we're going to be doing that show at the beginning of January. And uh, again, on, on a personal note, thank you to all of you for enjoying watching, listening to these shows as I've been in this apartment because the next show <laughs> I will not be. This is it. So wish me luck, everybody. Um, a couple of things before we leave. I need, to, I need to say this before we left. And I thought that was great by what Zoraida Cordova had put in the book. Yes. So she added for the um, for the Corinth or the Moncala that they had a 
they had like a uh, a device that helps like humidify oh, yeah, yeah. the air in front of him. Yes, it was just like spraying his face <laughs> yes! so he's able to talk, so he didn't get like dry air and he was able to talk. And then there was a lot of drugs going on in this. They always they yes. had like there was, there was a lot of drugs. Yep. I noticed there was that. a lot of like spice that they're using that would just like puff in their face and they just be that. like yeah 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 <laughs> riding that so, storm baby riding that storm I like that yeah, cocaine like is orange in Star Wars <laughs> it's canon now yeah, as long as we know that as long as you know <laughs> that everybody. <laughs> I, I was gonna say playing. I was the uh, the only thing I was gonna say about the kind of conclusion here. Um, yeah. After going through all these Easter eggs, is like uh, I know that uh, I may have felt a little bit negatively about some of the aspects of this book, but like going through the Easter eggs together is always to me kind of like watching <laughs> those documentary series on. Uh, on Disney Plus, like after they oh, make the film, uh, uh, the gallery, the the yeah, gallery, the yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. because like. Um, because like even if you even if you're left with a little bit of confusion or like some of the story points didn't like totally hit with you like it is so utterly clear how much care and love like the creators put into these books like yeah, and it seems like the level of easter eggs and deep pools we get just get greater and greater with every star wars book and like that's oh, yeah. so impressive and encouraging and like you know do not be uh uh, do not be deceived <laughs> that <laughs> we do not like these books because it's so much fun to get together and talk about them like this. And uh, yeah, I love man. brutally deci- dissecting them. I mean, it's so much fun to kind of try to figure out like what you missed that somebody else gathered and stuff. So, you know, yeah. if you're a, maybe a new listener to this and uh, you feel like this was a little bit more of a negative episode than maybe usual, I, I don't think that's true. I think that, no. you know, it's just cool to bigger to questions. Kind of, Ask big questions and explore mm-hmm. the creativity here. And going through the Easter eggs together is always just like the best thing because it's just so clear. Like, yeah, it's a it's a big team. They do a great job. I just want to make sure that's very clear and yeah. well known. <clears throat> Hundo P. Hundo P, as the kids say. The kids don't say that. 100%. <clears throat> um, yeah. I can't wait for the next one. I think that, again, phase two is, is really getting into some new ground. And wave two of phase two, that's – I'm never going to get it. It's always going to be confusing, uh, but it's going to really do some interesting stuff, especially since we know we only get two waves. So very excited for Cataclysm, more actual Greylark, and of course, Path of Deceit. Uh, we're going to find out how Kevin brings it all together. But until then, everybody, we got the Battle of Jeddah, and that will do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. Thank you so much for supporting us over on Patreon at, UT- at patreon.com. You are the reason everything here works. And a special thank you to Brian Dooley, Patrick Ortiz, Earl Q, Robert Thomas, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, and Elizabeth Cloutier, Ashley Ingalls, and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command. You can find us on Twitter, at LivingForcePod, at UTNE underscore US, and at Eric Eilerson, Corey M. Helton, C. Hankel, and Boss Wes. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire, and Wes, our producer and community manager. Thank you to Corey Charles and Wes for potting with me today. Thanks to all of you for hanging out and listening and watching. And as always, may the force be with you. Great job, Eric. Thanks, man. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. Join the Utini community and surround yourself with like-minded fans at utini.com. And remember, the force will be with you, always.